Why this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? Hello! Welcome to MCMF, the podcast where I try to get you, dear reader, into the magical world of comic books. Joining me on this episode to talk about the X-Men story schism, it's my very good friend, Pincente. Uh, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to uh, talk about Scott Summers, my favorite, uh, my favorite person in the whole world. Uh, Scott uh, Summers, who is always right. <laughs> yeah, he's never done anything wrong in his life except for everything... Issue five. But yeah. Other than that, he's, other than that, he's usually, usually correct yeah. about things. Russell Westbrook, a superhero, is a really good volume shooter. Once you get him going, he's good. But he can look real bad when he looks bad. Scott Summers, who looks real bad in October and November, and then gets real hot in February, inexplicably. The Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Westbrook <laughs> volume shooter. Aaron Rodgers, Scott Summers, caught in the crosshairs of the woke mob. <laughs> the woke mob read as Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Uh, so we're talking about schism, which, uh, in hindsight, we probably should have done this episode before versus X Men, but eh. Uh, this is kind of the direct precursor to that story. It details the split between Cyclops and Wolverine, what led to the uh, the franchise wide event Regenesis. Uh, causing the X-Men to split in two halves with half the X-Men going to the island nation of Utopia with Scott uh, and the other half splitting off to the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning in Westchester, New York, which is the rebuilt Xavier School. We'll get into it. Uh, so that bo- that this event triggers a reset for the line where the original Uncanny X-Men, which had run since the 1960s, ends. And uh, ends with issue 544 after this. And begins again the next month with uh, Uncanny X-Men number one and Wolverine and the X-Men number one, uh, respectively. Uh, so last episode, we talked a lot about Cyclops because and how he's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this story is... I say he's still probably right, but Wolverine is also right. It's a situation where I think that... We'll get into it, but... The the strength of this story is that it portrays both of their points of view as valid. Yeah, that's... that's it, it, Kind of what we... You know, what we said up about him is true. A lot of the story is about leadership and about how difficult that is. And, and if you read the prelude to the story, like that, that is what the prelude's about. It's about Scott coming to terms with being a leader, making decisions. And I, I think mostly what you're, what you're reading about is two dudes with a decision to make and how they come about to that, you know, choice and, and how other people are affected by that choice. Yeah. And these are two guys who have always been diametrically opposed to each other. Um, you know, Scott's always been the leader as it pertains to the two of them, uh, going all the way back to the seventies. Then when Scott left the X-Men storm as the leader, Wolverine is never really placed in that role. Uh, but he and Scott butt heads a lot in the seventies and kind of get over it, uh, by the nineties. 
and then are kind of at odds with each other again at the beginning of the 2000s. This story came out in 2011, uh, and they've just been kind of one and two for a long time at this point. And Wolverine is basically sick of it. And more accurately, he's sick of Scott, because Scott does things that Logan doesn't like. He yeah, makes I, decisions. I, Go ahead. Yeah, choices. No, no. Yeah, what you're what you're saying is correct about them being opposite. It's it's also a lot of the something to keep in mind when when you if you do read the story and when you go through it is that with Scott and Wolverine, Scott's the guy who should be the leader just by his his natural qualities. But right. There's something that Wolverine has that makes you want to follow him, and ultimately, that's kind of the guy you should listen to. Is the guy who doesn't want to be a leader, but he absolutely has to because he 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 he's the best person for it. Right. Scott is. He's the thinker. He's the tactician in a lot of ways. He's the, he's the plans guy. Uh, he's the guy you can put out there and have him give a speech to the UN. Uh, he is Charles Xavier's. He he was Charles's first X Man. He has been molded by Charles Xavier to be the perfect spokesperson for mutant kind. But Wolverine's natural charisma. And the fact that he's the guy who is willing to throw himself before anyone else, he throws himself at the problem, makes people want to follow him. So, yeah. go ahead. No, I was, it, it, it's, it, we'll, we'll go in circles about it forever, but, but another thing about Wolverine, too, in, in this story, and especially just as his disposition, is that he he doesn't have to be Scott's opposite. Like he could very right. much fall in. He chooses to because he just vehemently believes that he's wrong. Like what what every reader of every X Men story ever thinks about uh, Scott Summers is that m- most people uh, or Wolverine disagrees with that inherently. Like he just goes, "This guy's wrong." There's something about him, and that all and stems that's... from the fact. Oh no, go ahead. That's that all stems from the fact that Scott was hitting what Wolverine wanted. That's the only reason why Wolverine feels that way, is that yes. Wolverine was a horny and upset when he first moved to Westchester. Because that's, yeah, if you go you go read uh, Uncanny, or I guess it would just been X-Men, uh, X-Men 94, and just read like the read the first ten issues of the Claremont, Byrne, Cockrum stuff, Wolverine immediately doesn't really like Cyclops. And then he especially doesn't like him when he meets Gene. <laughs> when Wolverine meets Gene, he very quickly develops feelings for her and is so fucking mad that she wants to be with Cyclops. Yeah, and... that, I mean, that's that's everything. She's the main character of every X-Men story after she dies, That where Scott is the focus, where it's not you know about Kitty or where it's not about Magneto or Storm. Right, because like in, in the 80s, Scott's kind of, Scott is as background as he can be. You know, Gene's yeah. gone, Scott marries Madeline, he's gone for a while. And so those stories are about Storm, they're about Kitty, they're about Magneto, they're about Charles, they're about fucking Ileana, they're about all these different people. But then the night, you know, late 80s come around, Gene comes back, Scott comes back to, well, they, they form X-Factor, and then when they rejoin the X-Men proper in the early 90s, um, yeah, Scott and Logan are right back to being at odds with each other, and all the stories that are about them are about Gene. 
Yeah, that's also a Marvel Comics directive, too, where, like, if you have a generally... And that this started, you know, the first person they did this to was Peter Parker. Yes. If you have a generally milquetoast guy, you have to beat the fuck out of him. Like, you have to take everything he loves and make him watch it die. And that ultimately adds layers to the characters. It's why there's an infinite amount of more readable stories after Gwen dies for Peter. Yes. And the same thing goes for Scott. Once Jean dies, and then when she dies again, and when she dies again, and when she dies again, Scott gets infinitely more interesting because it's it's a layer of him that hardens him, and that influences so hard. She, you know, she he actively says like, you know, this is about you. What would you do? Several times throughout this book, because yeah, it is and, about her and what she would do. And the thing is too is that Jean's deaths are never about Scott. Scott getting the added layers is a kind of a consequence of it. It's a natural thing that would happen. But Gene dying as Dark Phoenix is about Gene. Gene dying in the Morrison run is about Gene. Gene, every time Gene dies, it is about her. Every bad thing that happens to her is about her. But because Scott is the one who's around after, since Scott's the one who remembers her, who knew her better than anybody, because it also affects, like, it'd be one thing if it just affected Scott. Like, Gwen Stacy dying affects Peter Parker and Mary Jane, and that's about it. But Gwen dying affects Scott, but it also affects Logan, but it also affects Aurora, but it also affects Kitty, but it also affects uh, Rachel. It also affects the F- Madeline Pryor retroactively, you know? it It is this core moment that affects a lot of different things and isn't... And it's always a moment of sacrifice. It's never a thing that is done to her. You know, it's never like... It's never major force shoving Kyle Rayner's girlfriend into a refrigerator. Yeah. It's like Gene going, hey, I'm way too powerful. And this power will make me kill everyone alive. I have to go. Because I can't be here. Because I am a living, walking danger to every living being in existence. I am a cosmic terror, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 I, I don't think there's many people um, as influential for the X-Men. Like, like any of the names you mentioned there, like uh, Storm, uh, Ilana, Kitty, Wolverine, if any one of them goes down, obviously it affects everybody. And, and whenever they do die or whenever they are displaced, whatever you want to call it, it does affect everybody. But there's something about Jean, considering that she she's always positioned as like the quarterback. She's all if she's there, she's the leader of the team. If she's alive, she's she's important. She's in charge. She's right. The she was the most the public, powerful right? X-Men on that on that second Genesis team with her like the the post giant size X-Men team. Yeah. Cyclops, Phoenix, Storm, Wolverine. Uh, I almost said Sunfire, but he quits immediately. Um, yeah. Shout out to him. I gotta uh, go hang out with Tony Stark for some reason. <laughs> I, I gotta go home. I gotta go. I gotta let this lady feed me grapes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's. I remember that. Now. Sunfire in the seventies, who's just hanging out at home in a kimono. That's my he guy. Just, yeah, he's. I don't want. I don't want to be here no more. I mean, he's Andrew Luck of. Yes. Like, look, like, my ne- my neck sucks. I'm going <laughs> home. <laughs> I got dropped on that stack of times. I call a neck. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's the most. She is explicitly stated to be the most powerful X Man, and Scott's the leader. But Scott's the leader because we need somebody to tell everybody where to point and shoot. Yeah. Um, 
But hey, enough about... We're going to talk a lot about Gene going forward in this episode. So let's just get right into the meat and potatoes of it. We're not going to get too much into the tie-ins. Uh, I'm going to kind of reference them here and there. But uh, the tie-ins for this are a couple issues of Generation Hope, which is the book that centers Hope Summers and her team. Uh, who, fun fact about them, which I always forget until I am like looking at them, they are, like their power sets, they are supposed to be archetypal of the original five X-Men. I'm picturing the team in my head, and I think you're you're right, aren't they? Yeah, uh, EDA is Iceman. Uh, Lori is Angel. Uh, Primal Tion is the Beast, and Zero is uh, is Gene, which yeah, makes okay. hope oh, by default Cyclops, which actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that's a that's a cool little parallel there. I I know I probably read that book all the time growing up, and uh, and when it was coming out, and I just I never made that yeah. connection. Yeah, because like you wouldn't think too hard about it. The one that's really in your face is EDA, but everybody else, it's kind of you know you got to really think about it. Um, yeah, she's my favorite. I just I should always say that she's my favorite. Anything she does is, is great. They don't use her enough. They they were doing so well with her, and they don't use her enough. Push yeah. push EDA. Yeah, she rules, and I'm glad that she has a better code name than the first one she picked. What's her code name now? Her code name now is Oya, uh, but her first one was uh, the girl who wouldn't burn, and it's like, what the fuck? I remember that. Was with Marvel and giving characters these terrible fucking code names, uh, the in the mid two thousands, like um, that would have been a cool book title. I'd buy that as yes. a book title. If, I was, if that Idiot was her running, the that. girl who wouldn't burn. Yeah, that that fucks as a title for a, a thing, but for a field code name, that sucks. It's like in Runaways, uh, when um, Carolina's original code name is uh, Lucy in the Sky, which good reference. Not it, it's clunky. It doesn't work. Your code name's got to be one to two words can't really shout that out you can't even shorten that right like, like you have like you shorten it to the lucy or lsd or something yeah that's not great not yeah, great the, the girl who couldn't burn is, is brutal though i don't remember that at all thank god though Maybe i think I they, it out. i think they do it for like two issues i think she calls herself that and then settles on Aya. uh so this issue opens with wolverine uh showing back up on utopia just a fucking walking pincushion. He has all manner, yeah, all manner of arrows and shuriken sticking out of him. Uh, they were supposed to... So Wolverine was supposed to teach uh, combat training for Hope's team, the lights, uh, that day. Uh, and goes, huh, who the fuck decided that? Cyclops? Huh. Okay. <laughs> he's like, I, I wish I wish Scott would talk with me about these things before we did these things. And he says, uh, he says to Idie, how old are you? He's like, I'm 14. Shouldn't you be off playing with dolls or something instead of worrying about combat training? I want to point this out because this page is one of my favorites just ever. Because she looks at him blank. says, I had a doll once made from pretty beads. I lost it when they tried to burn me for being a witch. Did you have many toys when you were 14? And Wolverine looks at her in like... Not disgust. That's not the right emotion. But he looks at her like, God damn, kid. 
what's what's great about this too is that like that's so uncalled for but it's absolutely like what what he deserves for talking has he not met a fucking 14 year old in 100 years they don't play with dolls man like he's been around children his whole life he, he shouldn't be did saying kitty play like with that. dolls when you were raising her well no and then there's a line where she looks at him in the prelude where it's like well when i was her age i was playing with a sword so people put him in his place immediately about his expectations for eda but yes. i thought that was such a a funny thing to go like to insult her because either he didn't know um, that 14 year olds play with dolls and he's the oldest idiot in the world or he was trying to insult her and then she just goes I've seen so many horrible things do you want to talk about them and then he, he has nothing to do yeah I mean it comes off like Wolverine it's very interesting because Wolverine by this point is just he thinks that these kids should not be fighting that's his major ethos through this story is that he's like why the fuck are we sending these kids out to fight and it's like, Logan, the world is going to... Scott's point the whole time is, the world is always going to try and hurt these kids. So all we can do is make sure that they're ready for it. And Logan feels like, we shouldn't have to do that at all. Which he's correct about, but that's not the world you live in. Yeah, and that that's... It, it's also something to, to keep in mind about this era Wolverine is that he's with the uh, Luke Cage New Avengers at this time. Right, Luke and Cage so, and Spider-Man. and Yeah, it's it, wait, Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones, The Thing, it's Doctor Strange, Iron Fist. It's the, it's the funniest team in the world. Yeah, and the team that he, buys Avengers Mansion for a dollar. Yeah, for a dollar from Tony Stark. They're split, he's splitting time in the mansion and Utopia, so he's living in some fucked up places. Yeah. And his... And at that point, Avengers is like a bigger organization than it is now and that it isn't sometimes. They also have the Avengers Academy, and he's seeing it there. And from like his perspective, adjacent to this story in New Avengers, they're like – a lot of that story is about you know uh, kind of people maturing and coming mm-hmm. of age. And he's hanging out with Peter Parker more. And Peter Parker, it talks about how he should not have been doing the shit he was doing at 16. So there, there's a lot about Wolverine that's becoming softened around this time just by nature of he's, he's working with the government – He's, he's teaching kids, he's around kids all more, you know, in a, in a different kind of environment than the school was. He's starting to see them more as people as opposed to soldiers and students. And, it's, and he's like, it's changing man, the way he approaches what, everything. He's like, yeah, what we're doing, this has always been fucked up. Yeah, it's always been wrong. And shout out to Charles Xavier for having the worst idea ever. And then it ballooned on him when it went from five kids to 500. Good for him. <laughs> I'm glad he thought ahead with his big bald head. Like, oh, I'm sure it'll just stay at five. And then he thought, no, no, okay, we got to make no um, foresight. Children. No foresight. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. The only thing he ever thought about, and if they talk about this in the in the prelude was that he, just how much he loved scott and he's like this is my son i'm gonna make you my son oh fuck like it just spirals out of control on him so hard and i'm kind of he deserves what he got at the end of avx yeah he kind of looks around and is like shit i made you into a second me yeah then i hate me so that's <laughs> God, so bad oh <laughs> fuck uh i mean because like a lot of things especially after the turn of the millennium retroactively make Charles Xavier, the biggest dickhead in the world. (laughs) Like, everything to do with Sage is just like, what's your fucking problem, Charles? Why did you do that? Well, he he too, like, he's... It's funny whenever he he talks to Scott about being a pacifist, about trying to be an isolationist, when at this time he's in the Illuminati. Yes! Doctor Strange with... Like, he is... Everything, everything he's ever said to Scott Summers, and it's funny when... Scott has a line where he goes, you know, every piece of advice I've gotten from Charles Xavier has been wonderful. 
I just want a different perspective when he was talking to Magneto. And he's like, that, that's, that's so funny that Scott has spent like 30 plus years of his life just being gaslit by this monster yeah. of a well, human being. Keep this in mind serial too. liar. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Pathological liar Charles Xavier. Oh. Who, because of the Moira X retcon, comes off as an even bigger liar. <laughs> yes. Dude, he just, like, he didn't have to be dishonest. They were already 16. You could just just not tell them shit. You could just make a decision. And he, th- that, that was always, that's always the thing. It's always an option. Very side rant. This is always the side rant, is that he made zero good decision in his life, Charles Xavier, and ruined the world a little bit. And then the whole time he's doing this and causing all this pain for all these people, he could have, you know, not made them an army. He could have kept them secret. He could have controlled their powers, done all this other shit, you know, with that that we've seen him go through and he he could not only does he allow it to continue but then he undermines them by working with tony stark by working with dr strange by working with all these enemies in the illuminati and working against the the mutant self-interest constantly to benefit himself and to allow himself to live with this fake family like the dude is beyond fucked yeah yeah i mean charles xavier at his core to me he he's just like all right well my whole thing is this assimilationist view of like, well, if we're good to the humans, they'll be good to us. And it's like fucking, you have no evidence for that, Charles. If anything, you have a mountain of evidence to the contrary. Yeah, it's 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 not like he, you know, he was born in the 70s. The dude saw like all the horrible shit he in was the world that fucking, happened. He's a veteran of the Korean War. Like, Yeah, like he's been alive through all of the bad shit that people are still alive to remember. And he's like, this time it'll be different. Because this time they, it'll be different. Yeah. I, oh, they didn't like people of different colors, but wait till they see someone who's fucking blue, a guy with wings, uh, an ice guy who's, who's also homosexual. I bet they'll fucking love him. They yeah, were they'll love this gay little snowman. Like, yeah. Dude, dude, look, he's naked. Don't you fucking love him? Like, he didn't <laughs> think about anything. And there's a girl. He's hot. And there's a girl. One girl. Just one. For now. And, and like, yeah, for, for him to, you know, for to constantly spell that. I'm also not a big Magneto guy either. I think they're, you know, it's not even a centerist position. I think they're both just f- functionally wrong. Yeah. In the, the, I, I like Magneto a lot, uh, but... As a character to read, yes. Yes, as a character to read, but it's like he's kind of fucked. You know who's elite right level a lot idiot. of the time? Emma. Yes, all the time. Well, Magneto's an elite level idiot because he's just like it's. <laughs> it's so sad that Magneto is all elite moron. He he he'll talk about like oh it's so sad all the persecution and all this stuff. Now let me go hit this genocide button real quick. Let me, go, <laughs> let me drop let me go a meteor on Earth. People. Yeah, let me go enslave these people. Let me go kill like a billion mutants or something. Like the guy is functionally out of his mind. Like he can't not be stupid. He tried. The only times he's not done something really stupid is when he's actively worked with the X Men and Charles Xavier. Yeah, when he was Charles Xavier is adjacently incorrect too. So they're both just fucking idiots. When he was running the school in the eighties, that's kind of that might be best Magneto. Dude, Magneto could have settled down to be a principal and said he tries to, you know, ethnic cleanse every five years. Like, dude, just, you're fucking, it's not, not only are you are you wrong, but you're fucking bad at it. Like, you've been stalked by 16-year-olds. Like, every All time. the time. Dude, how are you the most powerful person in the world and you can't fucking kill, like, a thousand people easily without a 16-year-old fucking your day up? Like, dude, like, it, 
just get good at something. And the only thing he was ever good at was standing next to Charles Xavier and being a substitute dad when Charles was tired or going to go fuck somebody and not raise the kid. When That's Scott the was time. when uh when Charles was in Shiar space fucking uh fucking Princess Alandra. It's like all right, all <laughs> yeah, right, Eric. Uh, I leave the keys of school to you. Tag in, brother. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Yeah. House is light, brother. You gotta, you gotta jump in for a second match. <laughs> you ever had Shia pussy, Charles? <laughs> Char- Charles, I told you, you can't handle they them. <laughs> you, you can't, ha- you can't handle it, Charles. We're the future, not them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, Logan and Logan and Scott uh, have to go to an international arms control conference in Switzerland and talk before this conference. Logan is Scott's one-man security team, and they have this really good heart-to-heart uh, on their way in. Uh, and Logan just tells me, he's like, look, you and I haven't always seen eye to eye. We've been fighting the world to change for a long time and have and haven't done it yet. Why should today be any different? Um, and, it's, and Scott's perspective is, well, people change, and we get this cool little flashback from uh, like it's a redrawn panel of a a scene from like X Men number ninety five or some shit. It's pretty cool. Uh, nobody American shows up, and we get this great little line from Logan where he says, "I've been trying to tell you for years we should move to Canada." Yeah. Fuck yeah, let's go. Move the X-Men to Toronto. We can handle it. We can't handle the World Cup, but I think we can handle the X-Men. We'll be okay. You gotta Okay, you get the X-Men, but you gotta trade one Toronto sports team. Who is it and why is it the Leafs? Fuck the Leafs, bro. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fucking... Oh my god, fucking again, first round exit, five hundred dollars for standing room tickets for a game against fucking Nashville on a Thursday. Fuck them. Fuck them. They <laughs> two hundred dollars for overtime I worked. Fuck. Uh, cut that out. Cut that out. I still work for them. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me get the time on that. No, don't uh, worry. Fuck them. Okay. All right. We're good. I'll cut that. I'm getting promoted soon. I'm getting promoted soon anyways. It's fine. <laughs> so don't cut that. C- censor it with the uh, X-Men uh, swoosh sound from the 90s cartoon. The okay. You got it. <laughs> um, so anyway... Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott thanks Logan for always being there uh, and he's like look when there's someone or somebody around worth following I follow he says that's probably the nicest thing you've ever said to, said to me yeah Ju- judging really by the, yeah but judging by the sliding time scale of Marvel Comics Scott and Logan have known each other for what are you going to say 10 years at this point maybe yeah because let's say Scott's in his early 20s when Logan joins the X-Men I'd say I'd put Scott as like thirty-five here. I think I believe when that the X Men run. I just read X Men sixty-seven, which was when they stopped printing new stories and it was just reprints. Mm-hmm. And I believe they were eighteen at the end of that story. I think yeah. they, they would just graduate high school. So yeah, ten years, fifteen years. That's probably like a good yeah. block for it. Um, because they used to age in real time, and then they realized that was stupid. Uh, yeah, very so. Difficult. Scott gets up and gives a speech about Bolivar Trask and the creation of the Sentinels. And then is interstitched with, 
who is this mystery pink man, pink haired man making these dudes fight each other? Who could this possibly be? Uh, every every time you see Kid Omega after like a long time of not seeing him, it's like the scene in Lilo and Stitch where he comes out, where <laughs> Stitch comes out of the spacesuit and he's like, he looks all terrifying and stuff. Like that's what it, it's just such a ah uh, this little fucker because I forgot he was the catalyst catalyst for this story and I was mm-hmm. like ah oh, this son of a bitch. He's back again to ruin somebody's life for no reason other than it'll make him laugh a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's just a real fucking dickhead. Uh, yeah. And then this guy, like a diplomat from a... It's unsaid what country it is, but it's... The implication, I guess, is supposed to be some Middle Eastern country. Uh, they, yeah, they made it sound like they wouldn't like Jewish people when Kitty Pride saw them later. Yes, and also he calls them... Uh, I have it as a note... Uh, he calls them genetic infidels. Pretty sick, honestly. Which is pretty <laughs> crazy. I'm gonna use that in a wrestling promo one day. I'm gonna call someone <laughs> out and see what happens. Just, what if Hangman Page calls Brian Danielson that? Uh, on, that's on a, a Scott Steiner line. If there ever was one. <laughs> Ric Flair, the genetic yeah. infidel. Ric Flair, genetic. I'm the genetic freak. Yeah, a genetic infidel. Huh? <laughs> uh, but he says. My country does not even acknowledge the existence of these so-called sentinels. And Scott's like, listen, a sentinel tried to kill me when I was 16. I, I fucking know what I'm talking about. Sentinels also have been widely photographed. Like, yes! Uh, like by this point, they've definitely been on the news at least once. They've attacked Times Square like probably 20 times. Like, no, they Dude, definitely exist, bro. A sentinel attacked Scott and Gene on Christmas Eve in 1975 in New York. <laughs> Yeah, like that, was, that was such a that's such a weird political stance to take. Like, now they're not real. Like, what the fuck, dude? This picture, bro. Like, I don't know why Scott didn't just pull out a phone. Like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that, that's such a funny way. This to is me and my this is me and my uh, dead wife being carried <laughs> by a sentinel. Oh, just on do exactly what EDA did, and just fucking like, oh, hey, this is me and my wife. This love my life getting attacked by sentinel. She's dead now. How do you feel about that, you motherfucker? And then you, you stupid, stupid really you stupid piece of shit. Dude, the bitch ruined my fucking life. Now I gotta think about my dead wife. You sanctimonious son of a bitch. <laughs> you sanctimonious piece of shit. Make me think about my goddamn dead wife. <laughs> what? Dead yeah. Wife. Wife. Speaking Disease of doing impressions. White. <laughs> so, choir shows up and Scott looking about his little kid. Hey! 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 Fuck you! Fuck you, choir! Fuck you! Because they run after him, and he does a psychic attack on, a telepathic attack on everybody here that makes everybody start revealing their secrets. These were great. <laughs> yeah, the dude who was like, Sentinels aren't real, is like, I beat my children. I do it quite like a- it. <laughs> And I love it! I do it because I, I enjoy I don't like it. it. I love it. I love it, pal. Uh, the guy, <laughs> this other guy's like, I'd like to say that I am currently cheating on my wife of 35 years while she slowly dies of leukemia. Dies uh, of leukemia. And, and he will email it to all the major news organizations. Yes, I'm emailing videos of me fucking women who aren't my wife to he CNN. He said, I'm slinging dick and I will prove it. <laughs> I'm pussy and he hit send to CNN. Oh, God. God. This woman says, I would like to take this opportunity to list the various ethnic minorities I despise. I, I wrote, this is fucked. This is fucked. I wrote in my notes, she looks like Charlotte Flair. <laughs> just, it was the hair and, the, I don't know, man. She, it was the bone structure. She got the broad shoulders like Charlotte Flair does. I'm like, damn, this Charlotte's wild and in the UN. 
Um, uh, my first note, it, I, it took me this long to write a note, which was, I can't believe writers have been trying to so hard for years to, like, make you forget that Quentin Choir is the actual worst. Yeah, they, uh, there's something that they, this is not even an artistic thing. This has to be like a more marketing and just a, um, the thing about complex that's so different than almost every other form of media is that you have to sort of just change perception for the sake of convenience, right? And for whatever yes. reason, they decided that they really, that it was really convenient to have Quinn Choir be a recurring character who is seen in a positive light that, like characters that other people like are going to like him and he's going to have girlfriends and he's going to date and he's going to be all this other stuff. It's very, very strange considering that he is just an elite level motherfucker. Like for just, no just a total bastard. He, yeah. he instigated a riot at Xavier's several times. Like it was, well, it was, a, they, they joke about it like, haha, you know, like he did it all the like time. People he got always seriously hurt. Yeah, he causes nothing but pain for no reason. Like, that's the thing. If he had a goal, if his goal, if you know, and we were just talking about stupid people. If he had a goal where Charles was to, you know, unify people and he's going to keep secrets because he's trying to be a diplomat, right? If his goal is to, you know, mutant superiority, well, Eric's going to kill a bunch of people. He just does it for the sake of fucking doing it. Like, he's right. just a fucker. And he's not even like, he's presented differently than a character like, let's say, Exodus. Where... Exodus, they never stop reminding you that Exodus is just a total motherfucker. That he just, he's a fucking asshole. But Choir, yeah, they like, don't want you to like him. Right. Fucking Exodus is raising children into a the cult. Like, it's, but when we see Quentin Choir, he's making jokes about how much he would love to terraform Mars for the flex of it. Yeah, well, and oddly, his, his sort of whole, um, like identity is kind of proving Charles Xavier right in that like well this is what happens when a kid is too powerful and doesn't know what to do with it because part of the the sadism or the anarchy of him is that he's a, a teenager going through puberty and he, he's the most powerful person in any room he walks into except for like one yeah. right and so except for a room except for the room where the quiet council sits where he suddenly uh, here's all these people who could totally kick yeah. my ass yeah, exactly, and and so when with that unchecked sort of power and that and at that point in your life, you should not be given the keys to all knowing, all powerful psychic powers because you'll do shit like this, like potentially cause a a you know widespread hate attacks on his own people for with little no gain for him. Th- yeah, he's uh, someone just I saw someone make the point like Quentin Choir is an analog to every fucking school shooter where he just does it. Just to do it, because he can. Yeah, it's it's the solution to his problems, but no one really knows what his problem is, and, and yeah. you never will know because they're not. They're, it's not well thought out enough to. Right, they're not interested in telling it. you. The only person yeah. who's ever interested in telling you that Quentin Quire fucking sucks and he's a piece of shit was Grant Morrison. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which that's his writing style. Right, is to do things sort of differently than the average comic book writer, and that is that's making what they do. Yeah. A character that's going to be around often. Be unlikable and frustrating. Just a total people. piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something he does, but just by nature of, of being different. Yeah, that that is that's what they do with that stuff. Um, I I will say uh, that just moving forward a little bit, uh, they don't present choir here. Uh, Jason Aaron doesn't present Choir here as being like a person anyone wants to be around uh, or is really redeemable. That being said, Wolverine and the X-Men 
does try actively to like give choir these interesting things and uh he sucks you know uh yeah they don't really rehab him like they don't really have him atone they don't really have no. him apologize or become better he just gets normalized it, it, and it's, right, it's everyone just gets used to much and yeah it's just like okay whatever yeah and that and that's what it was i love wolverine in the x-men i think that was a really good series i i think jason aaron i like some of his writing but that was always such a poorly thought out part of and maybe it was by nature that it was more of a kid-friendly book and it was kind of more a teenager-friendly book and it was more sort of casual but they just they never they never really did any consequences with him like Storm should have just beat the fuck out of him for like three issues. There should have been no dialogue. Like those Batman, uh, Tom King issues where he would just fight Bane for like yeah. three issues and there'd be no dialogue. Like they should have had that where like he just gets beat up by all the young X-Men whose lives he's tried to. They never, he never atoned. He never faced any consequences. He gets to live in a nice, you know, dorm room with his good best friend Wolverine. Like, the, you know, he, he's just, it, it, it's a very, very weird um, culmination of his story. And it's still continuing today. Right. Yeah. Um, but to move on a little bit, uh, Wolverine wants to go after Choir, uh, but uh, Cyclops wants to deal with whatever is happening in the room and just like, hey, be ready. Uh, and what they have to be ready for is fucking Sentinels. <laughs> yeah, which just uh, yeah, which just uh, happened to make an appearance around this time after immediately uh, or immediately after being told that they do not exist yeah sentinels don't exist and then scott and logan have to fight a bunch of sentinels yeah in in that same room where they were told they don't exist so that was a that was a cool little irony piece for that uh, diplomat there yeah and then quentin choir goes off on a fucking tirade because he's a little asshole um quentin choir is imagine every imagine every kid from like a fucking xbox live lobby 10 years ago but also they have telepathic powers that's that's quinn choir quinn choir says a lot of gamer words is that what you're trying to say that is exactly what i'm saying <laughs> if, if there's anybody well, who's a big fan of quote-unquote gamer words it's quinn choir quinn choir would absolutely he quinn choir would call you slurs <laughs> He dig he, he dig as far as he could go and find some old anti Italian slurs. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, just you just do it, you know, because yeah, he could. He, yeah, and and it, that's again just you know what a sixteen year old kid is is they're just fuckers except this one's powerful and, and happens to cause a lot of damage for a lot of people. Right. Uh, so Logan wants to go after Choir. Scott uh, is like, we gotta, we gotta get back to Utopia because some shit's gonna get, some shit's gonna pop off. Uh, Point for Scott there. That's good. That's a good yeah. call. Yeah, right? he's like, hey, this is not gonna be the only time we see Sentinels today. I'm positive of this. And then we see the source of the Sentinels, uh, a twelve year old boy. Yeah. Uh, we meet what? Cade what? Kilgore. Go ahead. Well, it's not entirely uh, the twelve-year-old boy, but yeah, go ahead. You'll you'll get into it. Yeah. So, Cade Kilgore, uh, the son of the president of the Kilgore Arms Company, uh, who has who has basically staged a hostile takeover of his father's company. Uh, I have here Cade Kilgore is a NXT twenty thirteen name. 
<laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. Cade sure. Kilgore is like absolutely the name of somebody who would job out to Tyler Breeze on that an was, early uh, episode of NXT. It was definitely Davey Richards' uh, NXT tryout name. What was their name? Were they the American Pitbulls? For that, those... did they did they even name them? I know that you. I swear to God, they got a name, and it was I'm looking at weird. NXT names. I remember that David Richards fucked that up for them because he he fucked up that backflip slot spot. That's all I remember from that. Oh, I can't find the names. Uh, let me see. American Wolves, NXT. There's a 2013 article here. Oh, they were the American Pitbulls. Yeah, right? the American Pitbulls. Yeah. They didn't even try. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, shout out to Eddie Edwards, though. Yeah, we love Eddie Edwards. Davey, welcome back to wrestling. Please don't be a fucker this time. <laughs> please don't. Nothing <laughs> was funnier. Show up to all your your bookings this time, Davey. Nothing was funnier than when he announced he's coming back, and Eddie Edwards just posted like the anxious emoji three times on his Twitter. <laughs> he's just like, that's that's the man who likes him the most and still fucking hates his guys. Poor Davey. <laughs> oh, what a fucker. Um, yeah, you so, it. We cut back to Utopia and kind of the Utopia inner circle, as it were. Uh, inner circle town hall. <laughs> Wait, who's Chris Jericho? That's Cyclops. Like, oh man. No. Uh, well, actually, I mean, look at look around. Who's the biggest dickhead here? It's Namor. Namor is Chris Jericho in this analogy. Yeah, Namor's Chris Jericho. Uh, Wolverine is the smallest, so that makes him Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. Uh, <laughs> does that make Cyclops and Emma Santana and Ortiz? <laughs> what does that imply about their relationship? I don't know. I don't want to Eric think about means, what that implies. I wish Eric was Jake Hager's. I mean, Eric would talk less, but <laughs> that's the way things are. Uh, um, but basically, Emma's like, I'm going to whoop this little twerp's ass. <laughs> She says she's going to liquefy his brain and have him blow it out his nostrils like a snot-nosed toddler. I think that's really cool that she said that. I think yeah. I think that's that's a cool thing that Emma does when she drops the regality of her when she's just around people she trusts. Oh, when and Emma's just a mean lady from Boston? Yeah. She's the best. She's real aggressive, real kind of... I think I need that in my life, honestly. Oh, yeah. To, yeah, I need that. the fuck out of me. I, I don't that. want them to do it. <laughs> but I need but the I threat like of the it. thought out there. Yeah, the thought of it. That's it. Exactly. I just need the thought in the air. I think it would help me a lot. <laughs> keep you on the straight narrow. Yeah, keep me. Yeah, just keep me off the streets. <laughs> uh, so Kitty gets uh gets a doll for for Wolverine to give to Idia because he's still hung up on this doll thing because he doesn't realize that this is a fourteen. She's fourteen, not eight. Yeah, I don't think he knows the difference. No, you know what? Logan's like 200 fucking years old. I don't think yeah. he knows. Can he even I, like fathom the thought of being 14, right? Like That's the thing. Like I, yeah. I think 14 is a concept more than it is an, an actual practice at this point in his long life. Yeah. So Wolverine and 88 eat some ice cream together. It's very nice. Uh, what the fuck is with hope on this next page? Oh, you've... Okay, I noticed... I didn't write it down, but I, I remember... I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, what the fuck is up with Hope? Why is her face like that? Why is her face like that? Why is... She's wearing, like, a spaghetti strap top, but the the top... The, one of the straps is, like, hanging down. Yeah, like, what is this? you didn't have to draw this? her this provocatively. Like, yeah. and, and it is... Another weird thing about it, you don't... Like, I couldn't tell, like, how bad it was until, like, a page or two later 
when they they draw her, you see fully what she's wearing because she's standing in it's like a group shot. But it's like oh, they made God. her look like she was naked. They made yes. her look like she was, and in that shot is Emma Frost, which we could talk about her. But yeah, they made her look like she was naked for some reason. Going to go talk to Scott Summers. It was a, a real weird way to to draw. A yeah, I'm gonna go talk to my grandpa. <laughs> I'm gonna go all boned up for some reason. Like she was fired up. I, you know what? She was impressing Magneto. That's what it has to be. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that would cause him. Well, it's one fucking wouldn't put, wouldn't put it past him. Magneto. Magneto's got the weirdest lo- list of love interests, maybe ever. His whole family life is hilarious. It's fucked up. Yeah, um, you know, just with his kids and not being around, and then not, and then having he, he's he's that thing's got around. Magneto belongs to the streets more than most X Men <laughs> uh, do, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Magneto was fucking rogue for a while. Oh god, I, I oh, why do I I always forget about it cuz I block it out of my mind. Yeah. Also, the, who's the artist on this cuz Magneto looks real old here. Uh Carlos Pacheco. We get the shot of Magneto who looks fucking ancient. He looks like Larry David here. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have eyes in the group shot. Like, it, some artists draw, like, especially, like, kind of current artists, draw Magneto to look, he just looks like a, like a hot old man now, you know, he's just like... He's a silver fox. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking silver fox. Here, he looks, he looks like fucking Leonard Nimoy in, uh, in Star Trek 2009. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they drew him, he, he looks like... He looks way too old to be walking around. And yes, I, I, that would have that would have been a cool plot point if, like, at that point he was just like riding magnetic waves to get around, and that was his wheelchair. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't. He's still an, he's still very much an athlete. He's still got those ripped pectorals. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I don't know what the face and the disconnect was if it's a mutant thing. But also on this page is Emma Frost. Yeah, you want to get into Emma's uh, costume here? Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe we should yell at artists more for the way they draw women. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm changing. Maybe maybe certain people on Twitter are correct, and we should always harass people about this because if it gets this to not happen anymore, not that I'm not exactly complaining, but I don't know how I feel about it. It makes me feel weird. Yeah, there's a lot of like all three. So on this page are Rogue, Hope, and EDA, who all of them have an exposed midriff. EDA is explicitly 14. Yes. Hope is 16 here, I think. Yeah, I believe so. I think so. Were they not the same age? No, no. EDA is explicitly the youngest member of the the team. Yeah, you're right. So she's younger than everybody else. I want to say Hope, Hope, uh, Gabriel, and Lori, and Tion are all supposed to be like 16, 17. Also, again, I said I say this in the uh, in the Avengers vs X Men episode. Um, they cannot decide how fucking tall Hope is. <laughs> like sometimes she's like eye to eye with Cyclops, and other times she is like now she is eye to eye with EDA, who is noticeably shorter than everyone else. Like her face looks simultaneously fifteen and twenty five. What's with hope here? Yeah, that's that's got to be a difficult thing to do, anyways. Is to to draw like um, a, a young sh- woman. 
Yeah, it's, it's there's got to be a lot of thought I bet that goes into it, and either it, you know, and I think especially when it comes to faces, because like there is a difference between your face when you're like 15 to when you're you know 20. Oh yeah, I look even. at a picture of me when I was 17. It's like who is this person? Yeah, I like yeah my my whole my whole head shape's fucking weird. Yeah, right? at that point in my life, like it just it's just different, right? And and you start to come into your own, you know, once you you hit like 21, 22, right? But with with you know drawing characters, that's got to be really really difficult. It was uh, and but with hope, yeah, I was I, and even you know it didn't get any better when she was drawn mainly by Humberto Ramos for the next you know five years in Wolverine the X Men, who his whole deal is that he draws weird looking shit so yeah. you never really get get a good like definitive like oh this is hope what she looks like her height comparatively to this character this is her costume like she was always drawn like abstract until like avengers versus x-men and at this point they still and at this point in this story they still really didn't know how they were drawing her a lot of this era is like very strange hope pictures and stuff even generation hope she was inconsistent at times yeah which is double weird because she's on page with pixie who always looks like pixie yeah um, but uh, Emma here, get it, to man. Me. Like uh, so, all right. If you're not gonna read it, or if you if you don't have it in front of you, it's uh, it's issue one of Schism or issue two. Excuse me, it's page thirty. Um, if you're if you're using a nefarious means, and uh, her. So most of this frame is Wolverine's bicep, Scott Summers' ass, and Emma Frost's boobs. Like, and I'm not. I like her boobs are bigger than. Actually, this is issue one. Just, this is issue one. This okay. is issue one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So her boobs are bigger than everyone everyone else in the world. Like she is, she's most. It's like they drew there. Scott's head twice. I, I honestly like. I'm trying to. I'm looking at it now. I think you could move her boob over the head, and I think Scott's head would disappear. Like it is, she is all hanger bangered out here, and I just, I just think, <laughs> just hammer hammered. I, we could just like, ain't she cold, man? It's like you know they've got air conditioning out there. Like she, I is, mean they're out there. I mean they're out there in the ocean. That breeze is a killer. That's the joke about San Francisco. You got to carry a light sweater with you every, whenever you go because you never know when it's going to drop to like you know way too cold to to be dressed the way Emma Frost is dressed. And she's allowed to dress that way. <laughs> just, just uh, it's more of the art style. Like, there's no. There's, are they that big? She's got a small frame, man. Is her back hurt? Is she okay? I mean, it's explicit. It's stated in. I couldn't tell you when, but it's stated in one comic that Emma's got a great plastic surgeon. She paid a lot of money for her nose, so you know. You think she chose that that life? I I feel like, given the information that we have gotten about her, it's a possibility. Man, it's just it's it's so in in character. Good for her. God bless her. I'm glad I'm glad she's feeling that way. I'm I'm glad she's happy with the, the surgeon she found. I know that's that's difficult to find, but uh, when it comes to the artistic choice, like. Like, I wish I was kidding when I said it was, mo- like, the page is mostly her boob. It's mostly her boobs. The page is most, not, that's not my fault, by the way. I'm not looking there. I can't not look there. Yeah. You can't look at EDA. You have to look all the way to EDA, who's the leftmost part of the frame, to not see Emma Frost's boob. Yeah. yeah. What are we going to do about this? We're going to move on. Okay. Uh, so, they see Sentinels on TV. They're like, that's probably fucking bad. Uh... And so they, Scott tells Emma to get on Cerebra and make sure everyone with a functioning X gene saw this. Uh, and Storm says, I mean, this is probably just posturing. And Scott's like, eh, but what if it's not? <laughs> well, let's Which, just be another ready. point. Another point for Scott. What if it's not? What are you yeah. going to do then? 
the dude who was like, there are no such thing as Sentinels, is now standing in the palm of a Sentinel, decrying the unwanted influence of what he refers to as genetic infidels. He gave his uh, State of the Union address while standing in, in the, the palm, palm of, of a Sentinel. Sentinel. Yeah. And I think I think that's something. I don't know what the equivalent would be in the real world, but I think we need to figure that shit out. Like, I don't know... Joe Biden sitting like straddled on it's, a it's him. warhead. I was gonna say it's uh when you remember when DX came back in two thousand nine and Triple H is like straddling the they came out on the tank and Triple H is oh, standing yes. with the oh, when they killed WCW. <laughs> no, the not not that time with the because in ninety nine oh, it was yes, the, yes. the Jeep okay. when they came back after Sean was gone for most of two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, okay. they come back at SummerSlam, and Triple H is standing on the tank with the gun between his legs. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd like yeah. to see a politician do that. I'd like you know, remember when uh, Alexa Bliss sat on Randy Orton in that one match? <laughs> his wife, I, I, and his wife got super <laughs> mad. <laughs> yeah, I want to see. I want to see them do that. I want to see you give. I want to see a politician give an address, a warning another nation, and then do the slow sit down like she did, and then <laughs> she, she just and then sit she, on like God. a weapon. God, if you what pay per view was that? Do you remember? It was it was the one before Mania. So was it Fastlane? Fastlane twenty twenty? No, that was this year. That was definitely this. That's year. Like, oh twenty twenty one. It's a flat circle. Yeah, it was. Let me see here. I'm looking at the results of Fastlane. Alexa Bliss beat Randy Orton by pinfall. Yeah, that was uh, Fastlane twenty twenty one. Yeah, and she she pins him by fucking him. Like yeah, she what? got she won that night. Like, she just sits down and straddles him. It's so weird. She didn't have to, by the end. She didn't have to do it that way. And also, the fiend is standing by. I just looked at the gun. (laughs) Okay, if if the Seth match didn't kill the fiend, if if her squirting the black goo didn't kill the fiend, this killed the fiend. I promise you the fiend getting cut by Randy Orton, man. Him <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there and like, like he was, you know, and, and the fiend had that stance where he was a little hunched over too, right? He didn't stand up with good posture. So just, he just looks so, so cucked there and fast lane in front of the screens. Alexa, and the you know, Alexa's in her costume that I don't really makes me comfortable, you know? Oh, the, like, where she, where she's a 30 year old woman who is dressing like a 14 year old girl. Yeah, the age regression stuff, and the be- the best part about that whole angle is that why would Randy not tell his wife that they were gonna do that? <laughs> I I would like to believe that Randy Orton kayfabes his family. Oh, kayfabes like, 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 he must know her well enough to know it wasn't gonna go well. Yeah, yeah, but I think that Randy Orton is enough of a as enough of a crazy ass white boy to just not not tell his family. Because he, he thinks it's funny. Yeah, maybe, maybe that maybe he knew the Twitter was gonna be worth it. You know. Yeah. Bray, Bray was the fiend was standing there looking at Randy like, damn, he got the cutest white butt I've ever seen next to Steve Nash. This fucking. <laughs> anyway, speaking of crazy ass white boys, Cade Kilgore, uh, with his collar popped so high, he looks like Iron Fist here. <laughs> yeah, the old costume. Yeah. He uh so. Kate Kilgore reveals like, haha, I set it all up. The Sentinels were because of me. Quentin Quire getting out of getting out of containment on Utopia, cause of me. Uh and then I just manipulated him. because uh, Quentin Quire's a dipshit. Quentin Quire. In uh, Omega level power, P-sized brain. Yeah, dumb uh, as fuck. And Perfectly so Kate. Yeah, it, just all the time. K 
Cade Kilgore assumes the seat of Black King of the Hellfire Club. Uh, I, I forgot the Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> not only is Sebastian Shaw not around right now, Sebastian Shaw has amnesia and joins Hope's team. It's cool. Yeah, I remember this angle. Yeah, that was that was a good little thing, I guess. Now he's uh, an asshole again in, yep. in X Men. He's selling Kitty in the slave trade or some bullshit. <laughs> no, he tr- he tried to drown. Oh no, he did drown Kitty. Uh, yeah, yeah, he dr- yeah, that's right. He killed, like, killed her. Yeah, and then Kitty comes back and whoops his ass. Yeah, the fuck I love Kitty Pride, man. They need to make her the biggest star in the world. Yep. Uh, I hope when the movie comes out, that's a character like when the X Men come in the MCU that that's yeah. like, the character everyone likes. Um. So issue two opens with well, I, I want to touch on the cover here because, like you said about Emma in the last issue, uh, same thing can be said about Rogue here. Why are her titties doing that on the cover of this issue? There's a there's an inconsistent pair of titties is, is because sometimes they're like they're the only thing you could see and sometimes they're just you know they're they're okay they're, they're there job, sometimes right? she's a normal a person with normal proportions yeah something you could see walking around on the street and sometimes she's what she is in this cover and again I think her boobs are bigger than Colossus's head on this cover so well, her 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 listen not to sound crude not to sound like a fucking freak here but. Rogue's titty is the size of Colossus's shoulder. <laughs> it is. It's oh, legit. No. Like she looks jacked as fuck here, though. She looks yeah. She high. looks fucking ripped, but like she's on the January steroid cycle. She's <laughs> coming out here, getting ready for Mania, brother. She's working out with Bulldog here. Like she looks great. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, just getting. Her I'm just getting crazy. Yeah, I'm just you know in the middle of a big cut here, huh? <laughs> One chicken breast, two asparagus. That's how you achieve these gains. <laughs> Good God. Oh, no. Um, so they're chanting no more mutants in the streets of the... I cannot stress enough how fucked up this page is. Uh, yeah, this is Again, tough. nondescript uh, Middle Eastern country. Just so... Like, and these people are drawn to be just the ugliest... Like, yeah, they they went hard on making them ugly. There's, there's a, dude a dude on the with, right. Yeah, that dude on the right, that's just bald bull. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. He's real fucked looking. He's he's got no lip. He's all teeth. There's dude, a lot of guys here who are just all teeth. Yeah, like with fuck, like they all have like weird eyes and fucked up teeth. Like what the fuck yeah. is going on here? There, yeah. It, it if <laughs> I don't want to know who drew this page because I would I would imagine there's some prejudice behind these drawings. It's that that's how that's how tough this whole page is to look at. Yeah. Uh it's it's a lot. Uh that dude who was uh talking about sentinels don't exist is now parading in front of a sentinel talking about <sighs> he says, Mutants want to steal our minds. You saw it for yourselves. You saw how they attacked me, how they stole into my brain and forced me to utter their lies. No more, we must say to these genetic infidels. These are they are unholy abominations, deviations from the right path. Let them remain an American problem. We have never had them here, and now we never will. This holiest of machines, built by our greatest scientists, was designed to defend us against the mutant crusaders. It is the finest mutant hunting machine the world has ever seen, and it will Why isn't it moving? So we've been, we're trying, but the machine has been in storage for so long, this is the first time in years anyone's tried to, I don't want to hear that, make it fly, make it do something. 
and then it starts smoking. Uh, it cuts on. It just starts fucking everybody up. So the uh, the note I wrote for this uh, page was uh, Dan Lambert's promos are getting really weird. <laughs> <laughs> he said the, he said Utopia sucks. Sucks. <laughs> no. I got two real men standing next to me. It's the Sentinel. <laughs> The Sentinel, but it's just Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in a trench coat. <laughs> it's, got the, it's the Sentinel, but it's just got the shitty kind of Hawaiian shirts Ethan Page always wears in the gold chain. <laughs> it starts yelling about his tits. <laughs> Tiny tits in the game! <laughs> I thought it was uh, interesting um, how it went from not working to immediately destroying the whole city. Yep. Like it was like, it went, wouldn't turn on, and immediately was like, I have to kill everything. It's like, alright, now nah. <laughs> straight up, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Uh, the Lance Archer of Sentinels. Yeah, so uh, we get we get back to Utopia, and uh, some students, cool group of students here. We got uh, Hope Abbott, uh, whose code name I forget, but I remember her as the other Hope. Uh, Anol, Transonic, and Dust. Yeah, Dust was a, a kind of a little bit of a throwback for someone who hasn't read from this era for a little while. She was a cool ass. character. <laughs> Dustin yeah, man. I think the Sandman, but way more metal. Yeah, a little more angry, too. Yeah. And just by use of the powers, yeah. She flays a bunch of dudes alive in her first appearance. She fucking yeah. kicks ass. So yeah, they don't make them like that no more, man. They, they do not build them like this. Soraya Kudir, or Kadir, built different. <laughs> Uh, and Wolverine is talking to EDA and he's like, you stay, all you kids stay inside until the trouble dies down. And EDA goes, it's because we're monsters. Like, there's something about her, how like, totally nonplussed her face is here. She's like, that's why they want to kill us. You can't blame them, really. They have every right to be afraid. And he's like, you are not a monster. You're a 14 year old girl. Go play with your doll. Go play with your doll. Don't have <laughs> these big to. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So, uh, oh, by the way, that, um, I forgot they do say what country that is. That's in Iran. Huh. 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 Hmm. I don't like it. I also don't like it. Uh, Wolverine's face is fucked here. Um, yeah. Uh, so they find out the Sentinels are mostly defective. Um. Good little line here. One of the cuckoos tells Phantom X that he does not have clearance to, cla- to crash a flying sentinel into an Italian football stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a very Phantom X. I didn't even notice that the first time reading it. That's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> Phantom X fucking my people hates Juventus. Every time I'm on something with you, my people get a shout out a little bit. In some <laughs> way. Last time was the player advantage. We were talking about uh, the Dragon Quest XI town. Yeah. Was, uh, Just that had the very offensive uh, accents. And this time it was uh, someone Phantom X was trying to ruin a City A match between uh, two shitty teams <laughs> that I wouldn't care about. Piss off my grandfather on a Sunday when the screen goes black. What the fuck happened? Uh, the Hellfire Club basically want to get rid of all of the... They, they want to scrub their history of all the mutants that have been in the Hellfire Club and held positions of power. Meaning Shaw, Emma, Lord of Chantel, Jean, uh, Celine. Weird how you're like, oh, that brief period. It's like, there were a lot of fucking mutants in here. It's most of the history. The, like, it's most like of the history that people too. care about 
It's mutants. Um, so Cade Kilgore is going to be on TV. He's a little prick. Uh, we get introduced briefly here to the new kids that are going to be running with uh, running with uh, Kilgore. They are total bastards. Hilarious, hilarious cavalcade of bastards. Yeah, just like think of the most fucked up children that you've ever yeah. seen in your fucking life. And That's it's the funny new when club. later in the issue when they introduce, or later in the story when they introduce, like why they are the way that they are. It's like I don't think this. There were different decisions you could have made than yes, <laughs> like real, like especially because they're so like a lot of X Men characters are always going to be young. It's based on a school, you know, your your powers trigger with puberty, right? Like a lot of kids are going. These are nine year olds. These are these are single digit age children. Like these are young motherfuckers. Was it like, like Kilgore's kids, eleven or twelve? I think. Yeah. Like, they are young, 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 and they are just like, we are going to be billionaire, genocidal, homicidal, suicidal, sabu, just all day. <laughs> Kilgore gives somebody an Arabian press. <laughs> Does a fucking triple jump moonsault. The girl with the pigtails doing the point every time she does that. <laughs> um, so, uh, that fucking Iranian prime minister or whatever the fuck, uh... After after Rogue saves them from the Sentinel, he says, "What is this? Their X Men, the X Men have sent their women here just to humiliate us." And Kitty leans down at her and goes, "Oh, we're not looking to humiliate anybody. We're just here to help. The fact that we're all women, well, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Did I happen to mention I'm also Jewish?" What the fuck? I wrote down Reddit. That's the only thing I wrote down for this. Uh, I wrote down, "Do I hate Jason Aaron?" <laughs> Uh, I can answer that question for you. I don't always like him, but uh, yeah, this this page was you know very 2011. Yeah, I think this pro- this probably was like praised at the time, and I don't know if it would be now. Yeah, uh, we see some some more X Men fighting these Sentinels. Uh, Betsy and Warren are stabbing one's eyes out. Uh, Domino is t- trying to save some people. Storm and Dazzler are fighting some in the desert. If th- I think. I think we kind of understate how fucking strong Dazzler is. Yeah, Dazzler rules. Dazzler's so cool. Her costume's great here, too. This, actually, this Dazzler and Storm costume are usually the ones, like, when I picture them, this mm-hmm. is what I picture them in. I, I could do without the pussy star burst, but, you know. No, I love the pussy star. Pussy star is love my life. It's my heart. It's, 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 nothing's cooler than just, like, this is where, this is where my genitals are. No one else has anything like that. For No one else has anything like that. You gotta be different, man. And she's got the titty window too. Like she is, she's like Kane. Imagine if Kane had Kane should have like, always had a titty window. Let's be real. Kane always should have had a titty window, and then like fire where his dick was. Imagine how much cooler he'd be. <laughs> Two thousand one Kane when he was big as fuck. Yeah, when he was with the titty window. Two chicken best, one asparagus as fuck with the titty window and fire crotch. Oh, uh, his burnt little wiener. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I love your dick. <laughs> And stack of times you call a penis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, Logan wants Logan again wants to go after Choir, uh, and he's like, "This, those kids out, out there ought to be in school, not having to worry about no mess like this." That's Choir's doing. Uh, and so Scott and Logan are trying to talk about it. Emma keeps trying to get their attention. And then they look, and Choir's here, looking fucked. He couldn't look uglier. If yes, he like, is they, ugly as sin here. 
This is fucking. He the hair is scuffed. He's all again all teeth. I Frank Cho wrote, uh, drew this yeah. uh, issue, and like when he wants someone to look ugly, he'll fucking get them there. And the way he'll do it is with the teeth. He is yeah. teethed out of his mind here. Also, Logan Logan looking wild vascular here. Yeah, he's he's fucking rainy. <laughs> he's so big, pal. He's so big. Ah. Ah, Release him. Look at the vascularity. You drink a lot of water there, son. Yeah. Oil him up. Set him out there. We're going to put the dogs Oil him up? <laughs> How do you like the sound of being a European champion? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that because of the whole, like, him really wanting to get out there and work. I just want to work, brother. I just want to work. I wrote, Wolverine is Brian Danielson. <laughs> Oh my god, if they had got Danielson in 97, he absolutely would have been a European champion. Like, take present-day Danielson and put him in a point in time when that belt exists. That's the that becomes the Danielson belt. Yeah, he would never let it go. He would he would he would make his he would do kind of what like, you know, uh, a lot of guys did at that time where they just made the title their gimmick and he would make the title his gimmick. <laughs> yeah, he'd walk around with a fucking beret. <laughs> he would do a shitty accent? Yeah. He'd be great at that. Oh fuck, that's a good idea. Uh, so that the little girl who's with these Hellflyer dicks is uh looking at this. It's a Badoon brain slug. Uh, she keeps calling it a kitty. Uh, and the these aliens are like, we're gonna fucking harvest your organs, and then they murder these guys. She has a lightsaber. Yeah, they lay it on thick with her that she's a little crazy. She did have a she had a little lightsaber. She had a few like other weapons too. But she um, like not only does she have a lightsaber, she holds it like fucking Star Killer. Yeah, she also took it out of her little pink purse. Which yes, was cute. <laughs> a little it, Versace little bag. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't even. See, that's the thing. It didn't even look like it was an expensive bag. It looked like one that you would give a nine-year-old just. To she got it cars. and she's holding like it's fifty dollars. Not even is twelve dollars. Oh, Polly Pocket accessory. Yeah, full of just full of futuristic weapons as well that eviscerated twelve-foot-tall uh, aliens. Yeah, she's sitting there covered in this thing's blood. It's gnarly you yeah, see an eyeball like, get popped yes yeah you do uh yes yeah, she, she fucked them up she did a good job beat the shit her. out of them uh yeah my note for the next page is choir looks like such a little puke here <laughs> uh yeah man they, Logan they, they, wants to turn him over to the avengers scott wants to keep him there so they can judge him by mutant standards um, and he's like, call, call Steve Rogers. Uh, and Emma's like, uh, Steve Rogers is already calling us. This is a particularly handsome Steve, I should say. Yeah, they, so Frank Cho wants to draw someone ugly. He shows teeth. You want to show someone handsome, draw them jawline, mostly jawline, no teeth at all. Steve was, Steve looked tremendous here. Yeah. I was, I was stunned for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I turned to it, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> this is exceptional. The the use of Cap here is also cool, because the note I wrote for this page is, why is Cap everyone's principal? That means, and, that's, yeah, that's, that's what But, like, is. when when you want to get someone in trouble, right? You call Cap. America doesn't know about it, right? People automatically want to say, hey, you, you got to take it to this kid. And this is a point... For, for Wolverine here, they probably should have given Quentin Quire to the Avengers because he didn't commit a mutant crime. He committed a crime against everyone else, and I think everyone else should probably. Right. But Cyclops' point of view is he is a mutant who committed a crime. Therefore, 
Yeah, should, but and we should take but it. then again, we should deal with the jury of the peers while he's it already hasn't worked and it keeps not working. Like from a from what I do for a living, which is working with kids who who struggle with stuff like this. I mean, like I definitely am Scott here. I definitely that's my job is to be forgiving. However, none of my kids have caused like mass extinction events, so I think I'd be a little less forgiving. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so they lie to Cap here. Uh, Logan doesn't like it, but he goes along with it because. He's, he's whatever summers you're in charge. And he's like, look, we don't want to fucking deal with the Avengers right now. Give it a year. Uh, and he start choir starts to mouth off. And Scott tells him to eat shit. He says, you're not worth it. You're a child playing at revolution. You needlessly put lives in danger. You made the world less safe for all of us today. And you will answer for what you've done, I assure you. Choir's like, I exposed the truth. The truth you were all too afraid to even. He's like, if I have to tell you again to shut up, I'll have you transferred to a cell in Atlantis, where I assure you their definition of cruel and unusual is significantly more lax than ours. And if I ever, ever hear of you belittling Wolverine again, I will personally break you in half. Pray every day, Quentin, that you will someday be even half the man he is. Because as it stands now, I wouldn't take six of you on your best day for one of him on his worst. Now get the hell out of my sight. And then Emma Very makes Captain sh- America speech. Yeah. Then Emma makes him shit his pants on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Next time there'll be blood involved was the, uh, the threat yeah. that she left him with as he's sitting in his own poop. Great, great use of Emma, frankly. Great use of psychic powers is making someone shit themselves. Yeah, this, the kind of speech here kind of makes, you know, when the way he talks about Wolverine, it kind of makes the whole, like, their whole relationship so upsetting and the way it ends and the way the story ends. Yeah, because Scott and these two partners love each other. Scott and Logan do genuinely love each other. There's a genuine love and admiration between the two of them. And they've worked on it for so long because, like, this was. This is what made this story when it was happening so compelling to read because, like, you were just hope you were hoping it didn't they happen because they had ju- they had just gotten together basically. They had yeah. just you know they're at this point uh, you know it's it's a few years of like the current Marvel like shakeup, which was New Avengers, Avengers, Secret Avengers, X Men, X Force, and you know they're in Utopia. They're not New York now. Like there there was these like it was very like everything was in a box and it was really really easy to get into comics around this time. And the X-Men box was, like, really good because they literally put everybody together. Yeah. Like, all the enemies around this time weren't really mutant or Earth-based. It was a lot more space stuff. It was a lot of, you know, espionage shit like that. And so the Cyclops-Wolverine relationship was, like, really cool to see. Finally, everyone's two favorite characters. Now you don't have to pick a side anymore. And then they immediately go into this. It made for for compelling storytelling, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a fascinating thing to do is to put these two characters instead of at odds, just together and working on the same page. Uh, And they still have their differences, but their differences make both of them better instead of just being this, oh, which one of them is always right kind of thing. Yeah, it was was two people, you know, it was really like teammates. It was really, you know, uh, uh, pushing rivals, but in the sense of like they're pushing each other to be better, but they're actively friends. They want the same thing. You know, yeah, they're they're. It's good that they're in each other's lives. As opposed to these are two guys who are kind of like making the environment hostile, and and one of them has to Scaring win every the conversation they have. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Like there was all these all this stuff that was sort of going away with them, and it was it was cool to see if you were a fan of both characters and you weren't someone who wanted to pick a side. Yeah, 
Uh, so Logan goes to a bar while Scott sends a delegation to the San Francisco Museum of Mutant History, which is a, a neat thing that exists. Uh, and so Wolverine looks at the screen and he's like, peace delegation? You sent Emma, Piotr, Magneto, Bobby, and Namor. Colossus is loving the fuck out of the red carpet, by the way. The only one smiling. The, yep. A genuine smile. Emma's got her little shit-eating grin with her. Yeah. Hingler, bingler's all out on the red carpet. She looks better here than she did in the, yeah, in the first issue. But, but that yeah. that little X that's holding her cape on is holding on for dear life. That thing's crying. Real, real, <laughs> real, real tears there. That thing's barely alive, and, and God bless for it. I wrote, um, the museum is WWE propaganda. I can't remember why. But... <laughs> <laughs> what? I just, I don't know, because, oh, you know what it was? Um, when Emma talked about how often she was in, in the next issue, she talks about she's only in there four times. I go, it started to make me think about the kind of uh, exhibits Scott Summers and Charles Xavier would allow to be shown, and what exhibits also the American government would allow to be shown if they were sponsoring this, and it made me think uh -huh. that it would be a very, uh, very washed. Very sanitized. Yeah, very sanitized. Like, we, we were friends, but now we're we're now we're not, but we're friends again, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, like there's no mention of the Hellions in this fucking in this. No, museum. there's probably not a lot of stuff about you know uh, the first Greco one. There's probably not a lot of stuff about the several genocides. Probably Magneto's in there like one time. It's like he is also a mutant. No real bio on him. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Genosha is mentioned, but but they don't mention yeah. that Genosha. Used to be it, you, think state. you think, you I think, think it would? You think they would talk about it? I think Genosha getting blown up. They talk about yeah. Because it's See, like a horrible. If you're thing trying to propagandize history. about yeah, human you can talk about the the. Oh, if you're talking about mutant human relationships, yeah, you don't talk about the ancient ocean. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so that that's what it is. That's the WWE propaganda. That's the Vince McMahon Museum of Mutant History. Yeah. Uh, also, those students from before are here: uh, Anol, Lori, Hope, uh, Dust, and Eda. Uh, and also, these little twerps are here uh being twerps and they're they're like all right the new age of the hellfire club begins now yeah this was a there was a lot of very pro wrestling stuff i know you and i are pro wrestling fans so obviously it was gonna come but there was a lot of like pro wrestling stuff in here in general especially with the way the hellfire kids talk because they're corny little baby kids and that's how corny little kids talk yeah it's like they're doing a wrestling promo yep uh issue three I want to make love to this cover. <laughs> I would take this cover out to a nice dinner. This this cover fucks so hard. It's so good. Yeah, I've always liked like kind of like painted covers that like look like they're telling a story about the issue as opposed to just you know lying sort of, about oh, the issue. This is a yeah, like, well, that's a very that's a very Marvel thing to do, and I find DC does a lot more. Where it's like, if if the cover is Superman fighting, you know, a bunch of goons, he's probably gonna fight a bunch of goons in that issue, right? Marvel will have a cover where like Human Torch and Spider Man are like staring each other dead in the face, and Human Torch won't appear once, right? So I I like that, this, especially for an issue where it's like you really have to sell the story for them yeah. to have the cover be about exactly what happened in the issue. It was a, a cool call by them, and it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Yeah. Everyone on it looks beautiful. Even the the faceless henchmen look like perfectly drawn and they're terrifying. There's there's a real energy coming off the cover. Yeah, like the Iceman, the he's like glowing and you can see the the chill coming off of him, which is cool. Also, do you prefer Iceman when he is all white or do you like Iceman when he's kind of blue? Uh, I like all white because it just, I think it's 
you know, there's there's blue X Men. I always like. I always think the color stands out more when he's white. Like more modern stuff where he's like even fringing on silver. I, I prefer that. Yeah, because here he he just looks like he looks like he is made of snow, which is yeah. awesome. It's cool. Uh, which remember the original Jack Kirby design for him is he's he's a little snowman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I always like when you go read like the first like ten issues and he's like, oh, it's a little, he looks cute. Like he just he looks not threatening at all. Yes. <laughs> Angel has little wings coming out of his back, and he still looks more threatening than little little comfy snowman. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, you know, they're at the museum. That's where Emma's like, can you believe there's only four mentions of me in this entire fucking building, and three of them call me a villain? I can't think of what, uh, what how much good shit would be about Emma at this point in her life, though. Like, she was villain, and then Hellfire villain, and then, like, political espionage well, I mean, Emma's she's... been Emma flipped sides at this point like fifteen real world years ago. Like she's been in in terms of publication, she's been good more longer than she's been bad at this point. Because she was running the in, tr- in the eighties, she ran the the Massachusetts school with the Hellions, and then they had a truce with the X Men and would just help each other out. I was thinking more like okay, but like yeah, okay, so maybe that's the positive thing about her. But like in terms of impactful human mutant stuff her to be mentioned four times is great yeah i don't know how much i don't know how much that that's an honor because again what we were talking about a very sterile museum this probably is um and and i just i just can't imagine there would be a lot of good shit to talk about in terms of putting her in a museum but yeah the the school will be a good point i guess she's been an x-men for long enough the avengers always hate her whenever she fucks with them though and like at this point the avengers are are top shit yeah uh, so we get some telepathic interference localized to the building. So now Scott can't Scott can't talk to Emma. Uh, they're all cut off. Um, and it just gets bad real fast. We we get the flashback of seeing months ago the introduction of the 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 four new members of the Hellfire or the three the the kids. So Cade Kilgore, Manuel Indique or Induque. I have a problem with this kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, uh, I was I was wondering if what your thoughts were going to be on him. He was I didn't write a note for him, but I'm just like talk about the first kid uh, in my notes here. Yeah, that what a what a backstory. Do you want to do you want to go into it? I mean. <sighs> So, Manuel Duque is the son of one of the re- richest families in the Eastern Hemisphere, a wealth built on the backs of slaves from the days of his great-great-grandfather, one of West Africa's most notorious slave traders to today, when your family sells humans by bushels in a dozen different galaxies. They made a little black slave trader! What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, so so to, to talk about this creatively before we get into um, the actual like storyline of this kid, that is a fucking choice by them, eh? That's, they yeah. could have done so much. They They're like, all right, so what's much. the most evil thing we can think of? Uh, a fucking yeah. 10-year-old black child whose family has been selling people into slavery for generations and also recently sold his brothers, his seven older brothers, into space slavery. Yeah, and interesting. That's also an interesting uh, reality they set up that uh, human slavery uh, is not only very you know uh, alive and happening, but it also is in interplanetary. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting world they set up. It's a they has to be the most unlikable non superpowered character Marvel's ever introduced, right? Yeah, like this kid is evil as shit. Um, 
the, the next kid is Baron Maximilian von Katzen, Katzen whatever. Uh, Katzenborgen. Katzen Katzenborgen. Um, he's the youngest student ever admitted to the University of Munich. Considered a true scientific prodigy, at least until the academics deemed his methods most profoundly unsettling. Not surprising, really, given his family history. Von Katzenbolgen isn't his true ancestral name. No, that would be Von Franken, and then he gets cut off. That's fucking Frankenstein's great-great-grandson. In in the Marvel Universe, Frankenstein, the novel, was a was, nonfiction was, book. Yes! Mary and, Shelley wrote a nonfiction book about something she actually saw happen. Yeah. Also, shout out to Mary Shelley, maybe the most metal human being who has ever lived. Yeah, she's great. She's please, I oh, she's awesome. Just, just Mary Shelley yeah. podcast next episode. Yeah, just an episode talking about Frankenstein. That is just secret. <laughs> fucking talking about Mary Shelley because Mary Shelley is she's so fucking sick. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, Wilhelmina Kensington. Upon the recent suicide of her mother, hotel entrepreneur Lenore Kensington, her entire estate was left to her 37 pet cats and her 11-year-old daughter, Wilhelmina, a a beauty pageant and martial arts enthusiast. So, uh, being a who is murdering a cat, who just murdered a cat. Yeah, that that was something. So, like, yeah, they're they're like, okay, this character's backstory isn't likable enough. Let's have her instantly kill a cat. Yeah. Mrs. Farnsworth, Mr. Farnsworth didn't like to be tickled, so I made his head all squishy. Now he doesn't mind. What the fuck? So, uh, she, she, alright. She's, looks a lot like Alexa Bliss. Like, <laughs> that's, that's Lily. This is, this is the fiendette, and the cat is Lily. Whatever you want to say. Maybe that's she the, is Lily. Yeah, that's a good point the too, evil is this. hers. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I, the, the way they, she dressed, I was, and the pigtails, I was like, oh fuck, it's goddamn Alexa Bliss. This chick follows me everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I see her. Um, Everywhere I go, I see her face. Straddling Randy Orton's face. <laughs> Fuck. Ruining uh, a pay-per-view in the Orton household. <laughs> and then Orton's even... kids around the TV and her mom, their mom is just like on the phone just typing furiously. They don't know what's going on. Randy not looking at his phone. <laughs> Whoever's locker is next to Randy Orton just... <laughs> the fuck did he do? <laughs> They hadn't been watching the monitor. They were catering. Anyway, uh, the little bastards bust in, and they go to fight the X-Men. Namor is so pumped up to fight, to beat some kids. I've hit children before was the... Was the yeah, it's the exact line. Says, I've hit children. Cracking his knuckles. I've hit children before. Also, Namor looking real jacked, baby. <laughs> The X-Men are a beautiful bunch of people, though. Oddly, like, for for a very fringe percentage of the population, they're all gorgeous. There's not an ugly X-Men except for Quinn Quire. Yeah. Um, Even Charles Xavier's a handsome man. Yeah. Namor... Was Namor, like, hitting the free weights at an exhibit? Because this is that's a fresh pump. Yeah, he was doing push-ups as this was happening, and they got <laughs> up just in time to save his line. He said, quick pump, quick pump for the girls... Quick pump. It's just just a, just a little bicep curl. Just just so my t-shirt fits better. Just a little bicep curl. Just so, just so it looks better. Just so it looks better. I'm going to, I'm going to go see the pretty girl. You know, just a little bicep curl. Won't hurt nobody. Um. Oh shit. There we go. Uh. The uh. 
so the the kids that are there are they get separated. Cyclops on his jetpack, which I forgot he had when I did the AVX episode, but Cyclops is racing there on his jetpack. Wolverine steals somebody's car. Yeah, Wolverine just commits a crime. To, <laughs> Wolverine to to commits Grand Theft Auto. Oh, I guess he could have done that because he had Avengers clearance, so he could have. He wouldn't. Oh yeah, he he totally is like I'm commandeering he, this. He works for the government. He I, works oh, for Shield. Yeah, he can totally do that. Yeah, good for him. Um. So I, I should say Scott does turn over command of Utopia uh, to Doctor Nemesis. There was no one else on. There's board no one else there. Wolverine's the not there. Unstable. Yeah, who's the, all right? Who's responsible here? Like, I would love to see the Krakoan or not Krakoan at this point, but the Utopian like chain of command. So it's like Scott, yeah. Logan, Emma. Magneto. Well, because their doctor was on board the ship. The the I forget the name of the doctor now, but she treats uh, Cecilia she treats the X Men who return. Yeah, uh, she treats the X Men when they return from the museum. Why wouldn't you? Why would you give it to him? Why would you give it to her? She's also a mutant. That was. Such a, a very dangerous choice by him. Let's give it to Doctor Nemesis. He's uh, a horrible choice. So the, the they're on their way there. They're trying to get there in time, but uh, Colossus gets hit in the face with that fucking brain slug. Uh, then they they uh, have something with uh, with fireballs at uh, at. Namor that just stop him dead in his tracks and they kick his ass. Uh, Emma is fighting this little girl and she says, "I hope you. I hope I die before I get as old as you." I say that to people two years older than me sometimes. It's one of my favorite lines in the world. <laughs> and Emma, Emma, in her diamond form, is like, "I that uh, I can ha- make that happen whenever." I will kill you, and I want to kill you. That's Emma said that, and it was she's she's she was really about it in this whole show in this whole show this whole uh series these five issues was emma wanting to commit murder to anybody just somebody i gotta kill somebody today brother uh emma looks like a fucking bond girl here i should say like the way yeah, her face is drawn very yeah, dr honey great. rider uh so then emma gets hit with one of those like basically everybody gets gets busted up with that um with that brain slug, except Magneto, who gets shot with a uh, with miniaturized neutron stars, marble-sized magnetars, the most powerful magnets known to man, and they shoot it inside Magneto, and it just fucks him up. And then they give him a brain slug. Yeah, he gets brain slugged, even though he didn't have to get brain slugged. They did that. As, they did it. They do did it. that. For symmetry, that because they and again, this is the Hellfire Club, and they they do a lot of traditional stuff, and they do a lot of stupid bullshit. So just for the thematic symmetry, yeah, all five of the uh, X Men got a brain slug. Um, also the the students all get taken down. Which the idea of somebody taken down, how did how did you have a plan for dust? Yeah. How did yeah, we, they, how they did didn't show it at all, too. Yeah, they just only get taken down. I that might get explained in the Generation Hope tie-in, but how do you have a plan for the girl whose power is turning to sand, and who also wants to kill again? And, Emma Frost. A lot of the yeah. ex women like to kill and want yeah, to kill. Yeah, student of Emma Frost, by the way. Yes. There's no qualms with killing in self-defense. Um, the only one still, still. 
active inside the building is EDA. And Scott asks what happens. And Logan says, get out, tells him to get out of the building. And he's like, Scott, I can get there in time. I can handle this. And all, like, Scott is not pressing her or prodding her here. He's just going, tell me where everyone else is. And she's like, everyone else just got their asses kicked. Uh, fucking grimy little Cade Kilgore, who looks like all of the kids from Stranger Things at once, says, I haven't had sex yet, so maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine feeling better than this. Yeah, he had the biggest shit-eating grin when he's yeah. talking about not fucking. Like, the only person to be look that confident talking about not fucking yet. Like, God bless him. Listen, you ask any 12-year-old. <laughs> hang around. <laughs> hang around. If you if you know any... If you have a friend who has a, a, a middle school-aged kid, just hang out at their house for, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> You'll hear something fucked up. You'll hear something fucked up. This is I on always, that list. I, I always say if you watch a kid under 12 for long enough, they're either going to do something profoundly fucked up or profoundly stupid. <laughs> or both. Yeah, at bo- sometimes both at the same time. And yeah. every single time someone gets hurt and you have to take three seconds to turn to the wall and laugh before you got to go up to them like, hey, you okay, buddy? <laughs> but, like, I remember being in middle school and I don't think anybody when I was in middle school would have said something like, man, I don't fuck. I fuck, but this is, aw- this is awesome. Like... Just one thing I know about, just from my experience of having once been a 12-year-old child, is that 12-year-olds will lie about having had sex. <laughs> see, that would be something, see, that you know, this is a very Marvel movie thing to do, but that would be funny if the whole time he's like, but I've uh, also definitely had sex. I've clearly I've definitely totally had sex. Just lying. I mean, I, I know what it's like with when you move the parts together, and, and it like, feels great, but no. this is better. No, Wilhelmina, you don't know her. I met her at camp. Yeah, you don't know her. She lives in Canada. <laughs> Kate Kilgore lies about his girlfriend in Vancouver. His girlfriend in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Go Riders. It's the CFL uh, team out there. Yeah, the, the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, um, not to be confused with the Ottawa Rough The Ottawa Riders. Rough Riders, yes. Which don't exist anymore, but there was two Rough Riders in the Canadian Football League at one point. And God, and God bless this country. I, I don't want it to ever change. <laughs> Just so polite. Not, neither one of them wanted to sue. The other one is awesome. <laughs> um, so then uh, there's a bomb that gets planted. and uh, Or what appears to be a bomb. Uh, Logan is pleading with Scott to tell EDA to leave. Uh, and he's like, get out, get out as fast as you can. And she's like, Scott, he's like, Mr. Summers, I don't know what to do. Can I try to stop them? And he says, look, I'll be honest. We're not going to make it in time. You got to make this call. Do what you feel you got to do. And EDA, I should say EDA's powers are, uh, added, are fire and ice together. Uh, it is specifically, uh, I think it's creating heat and getting rid of heat. So she kills like a dozen guys. It's crazy. Yeah, she she runs through. Uh, every single non-X-Men uh, in there gets just not alive very quickly. Like right away, almost easy. It, it, it looked, if it, the thing that made it look difficult for her was kind of just getting out of the burning building. But actually she dragged like some people out there. Like she was... She made this very easy yep. to solve this problem. 
And then she passes out. Scott and Logan run away. They're like, that's a bomb! Uh, and then the fucking Hellfire kids. Again, this is, it's like evil Stranger Things. Like, the kids, are, the kids are running away in matching jackets, giggling. It's not even a laugh or a cackle. It's giggling. They're like, like Kate has their his faces are like on, little smiles. Yes, Kate has his hand over his mouth. Oh my god, Kate, you're so bad. Like, that's what this was. <laughs> like, they're doing shit behind the oh teacher's my, back. Like, oh my god, stop. <laughs> Kate, you're so funny. You're so funny, Kate. Oh my god, do that again. Uh, and they're like, um, Logan's like, you son of, he calls Scott a son of a bitch. He's like, she killed a dozen men in there. That's on you. He's like, were there any civilian casualties? And he's like, did she also... S- uh, there were no civilians that got killed, so she saved 100 lives. He's like, she should have never been in that position, Slim. And it's like, you're right. That should have been you. But you were fucking at a bar pissed off because I wouldn't let you kill Quentin Quire. Yeah, I wonder what, what's... Like, I, that seemed to be a little bit posture. And there's a few times where Scott says stuff that I don't think he truly believes. And he gets progressively more dishonest as this uh, series yeah, continues. Yeah, but he's, he's I don't think he would have like, sent Wolverine to that museum, though. No, he, I think he wanted Wolverine to go. Because he wanted Wolverine did he, did and Did they Emma say that spe- explicitly? Uh, I don't think they say it explicitly. But I think it's he either wanted implied. Wolverine to go or he wanted Wolverine to be, at, be on Utopia with him. Okay, yeah, I do remember them, to, yeah, discussing that he should stay on Utopia. Yeah, well, okay, and that, that goes back to the... See, fuck, Scott Summers is always right, this fucker. He even tricks me, who's like a vehement follower in him. That's right, because then we talked about Dr. Nemesis, who would have been the next command. Wolverine probably would have gone, but it would have been Wolverine. That would have been the other senior X-Men on, on Utopia. Right. Scott probably would have gone in his place then. God damn it, this guy's right about everything. Holy yep. shit. Uh, and then he the bomb goes off, and then... Grabs every piece of metal in the area. It turns into a giant fucking sentinel. This is so fucking cool. Yes. What a cool like reimagining of the sentinel. Like it, it, it's fucking it blows up and then everything around it. Like it causes destruction to rebuild for the purpose of causing more destruction. Great concept. Looks cool as fuck. That that's such a good use for the the sentinel weapon. Yeah. Yeah. What what a. Bolivar Trask, in his wildest dreams, would have never conceived of a sentinel that just keeps making itself. No, it was, uh, so, it, it was so cool. It's so cool. Like, I can't... The design, it's it's something to see. It's it's awesome. Also, this is peak Logan looks like Hugh Jackman here. <laughs> yeah, there was a point in time where they just gave up on trying to make him look different. And now they've gone around where now he looks nothing like Hugh Jackman. Yeah, but he's... This is... I swear to God, Hugh Jackman wears this exact thing in X-Men 2. The flannel with the sleeves rolled up with the, the tank top that stops, like, in the middle of his chest. He's built, like, Miro here. <laughs> oh, man. God's favorite mutant. Wolverine. God's favorite mutant? Oh, that's a great idea, actually. <laughs> Sick as fuck. That's the, your first t-shirt, bro. <laughs> the Redeemer. <laughs> the Redeemer would be, you know, uh, the idea that there's a... Uh, well, that's Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's kind of the Redeemer, right? Everything he does is, is for the glory of God and his yeah. life. Storm, sometimes. Exodus also. Yeah. Exodus was literally a crusader. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so much I forget. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't try to hide it, but it's like, they don't mention it often that like, hey, uh, he was party to some of the, to one of the biggest atrocities in human history. 
Yeah, they do. They do that a lot with the old characters too. Well, they okay. They do it with a character here whose grandfather was part of the African slave trade. Like they they do that. Oh well, yeah. They, they're like historically like, okay, look, we have to introduce this character, but we you know we want people to hate him right away. So let's just say he was part of something horrible, but something horrible thousands of years ago. So well, it's yeah, like, it's like yeah. The red. Uh, I mean, like the Red Skull. You can't do a redemption arc of the Red Skull. Yeah, well, the red, the red skull. See, see, the difference with red skull is that people still remember or are alive to remember what he did. Yes. With Exodus, no one, no one survived what Exodus was doing. They're they're all gone by, by now. Right. Little little bit little bit easier to do that. Red skull is like the exception because like, well, it's it's the Holocaust and it's the tragedy that people are still alive to remember. With the Crusade, it's like, yeah, you know, this is in the history books. Right? Boom boom, that's, different that's era. Most, boom boom, different era. Boom boom. Um. So they get back to Utopia. And he's like, I smell like burned skin. It's she's in her costume now too. Yeah, yeah inexplicably, she's now in her costume. They're uh, very chill uh, upon arriving back. This is like a much more relaxed thing. You, the third issue ends, and you think it's going to be a little more fired up, and they're they're kind of you know no yeah, urgency. Well, in this I, team I right think there's a generation hope tie-in after that issue where we see more, and that's that would explain mm-hmm. the difference here. Um, and so it is like I killed all those people. Um, she's like Scott's like look that's on me okay you saved people what happened those people dying is my fault not yours okay and she's like I'm not sorry I did it I just wish I could stop hearing them scream <sighs> this kid is fucked my note here was fuck 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 ow fuck 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 ow yes yeah. this isn't the last time and the first time that you know it, that she says stuff like this we're like like, she is just full of so much pain. This poor girl, like, run through it from the start. She's only 14. Like, it's fucking miserable, uh, some of the shit that happens to her. It, it is such a, a easy character to get behind because she's so embattled. Yeah. Uh, I have a note for this issue, uh, which I, I forgot to touch on uh, before now. But the note is, all caps, Alan Davis. <laughs> uh, Alan Davis, fucking godlike artist. Yeah. Well, like, one of the best ever, and I'm so glad they got him to come on and do this, because this shit... The art here fucking rules so much. I like when they do a different artist uh, per issue for miniseries and stuff like that. I always think that's, like, a cool way. If you're going to do a big event that's, like, tie-ins and stuff, I, I think it's cool to have uh, a different guy, especially when you get someone as talented. Even if it's for one issue, as Alan Davis, to do something, it, it'll it'll help it enhance it. It makes it feel like a big deal. Yeah. Um. So... Wolverine is trying to fight this fucking self-regrowing Sentinel um, with the help of Dr. Nemesis and Madison Jeffries. Uh, I, I need these two dicks in like a four-issue miniseries just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> just doing whatever the fuck. Because uh, they just... It just seems hilarious. Uh, so Madison's trying to talk to it uh, telepathically. And he says, uh, or technopathically, uh, rather. He says, uh, it's all muscle and no mind. It's got the brain of a toaster inside the body of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and to himself, Dr. Nemesis thinks, sounds like my ex-wife. <laughs> Just can't turn it off. Like that, It's another very X-Men and X-Men adjacent thing. When if you're a fucker, you're a fucker all the time. Does not yes, yeah. Doctor Nemesis is a just, fucker. Died in the wool. He's yeah, just pure fucker, pure fucker energy. He just that, that's such a good little line there for no reason and to himself. 
because if you can't pop everybody, you have to pop yourself, and that's that's a very doctrine. That's you know all this fucked up shit that he does. That's kind of the whole. He does it to pop himself. Yeah, yeah, he just pop the boys or pop himself. Someone's getting popped. Um, they can't take this thing down. Wolverine gets blasted into the ocean. Wolverine's healing factor gets fucking pushed a lot in this series. Yeah, yeah, he gets torn through on Utopia especially, too. Yeah, they they test that power a lot, and with a good artist to show you that that testing as well on Alan Davis. Yeah. Uh, So, Scott asks the cuckoo, hey, where the fuck is everybody? It's like, all right, Pixie, uh, incapacitated by Sentinels. Danny's team is in Iran. Storm uh, was negotiating Sentinel shutdown terms with the Chinese government. Uh, and two other teams are en route uh, on Blackbirds. Yeah, Storm uh, was not uh, answering the telepathic calls as well. Yeah. Implying uh, that uh, it was either so important that she was ignoring it or that China had blockers, which was a, a very interesting diplomatic point. Yep. Uh, and so the uh, Scott's like, fuck, I got to fight this thing on my fucking own. Uh, and he he's just blasting away. He's fucking worn out. And he's like, hey, uh, brace for impact because this thing is coming. But then Hope shows up with her team plus Dust, uh, Dust Rock Slide, and Anole. And Scott's like, all right, we can do this. And Wolverine comes out of the ocean. He's like, fuck no, 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 no. What are you doing? And it's like Scott has to, res- has to explain to Logan... These kids are older than I was when I started doing this. They'll be fine. And But you're fucked up, Scott. See, and this is where Scott sort of starts to turn for me in terms of, like, the you know, I've been saying point Scott for a long time. This is where, like, obviously he has no choice. Obviously there's nothing else that he could do. But uh, one of the – earlier in this issue, he he stares at a picture of himself, of the original X-Men, yeah. a frame picture. That, that's, like, a big deal. And it's, like, it's very clear that he currently hates everything that he's doing, and he just keeps doing it. Yeah. And whether it's like, and, and again, this is where the story becomes about leadership, where if he just had a little bit more self-awareness to do something, anything else, you know, try to get on the defensive. Instead, it was all about saving this floating ship that like, you know, you could repair this floating ship, but you can't repair these kids. And on the page, they, there's this, they close up on EDA and her dead eyes and her just tired expression. And he sees that and he goes, all right, this is perfect. Brian Danielson promo that he's like I got I'm on Zoloft I have depression and Brian Danielson's like that's what I like to hear baby that's the good (laughs) shit right there oh yeah like EDA is like I don't want to live and I hate that I've taken the life away and he's like fucking there we go that'll make a great athlete right there it's fucking everything he's doing is get that girl a scholarship (laughs) get her front lines right away dead eyes She's perfect. De- like well, she, yeah, was, Dead Eyes, you're an X-Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, but there's nothing about this team that should inspire confidence. He's like, all right, fuck yeah, boys, here we go. Okay, so and here's the thing. God, in Generation Hope... happens to emerge. In yeah. Generation Hope, what, at this point, the Hope's team has fought big shit before. Like, if anybody... Like, Scott and Hope, at the very least, can handle this. Yeah, like, there there was, there was just, you know, it's 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 easy to go. There were there. They could have done something else. They literally could have done something else. They could have run away. They could repair the ship. They, Which they is Logan's you know. point. Yeah, like and and this is where you start to go like yeah, they, like it's unfortunate that this is all you're left with. And and obviously you know, um, 
you know, you, you want to fight, you want to defend where you are. If you're from the perspective of Scott, you don't want to just leave your home undefended because you, you show weakness like that, right? But and you like, keep having to do it. Dude, it's an under-16 softball team you're working with here, bro. You can't fucking have them fight this thing. Like, they, like Wolverine <laughs> just got his ass kicked. What the fuck is Hope going to do, man? Like, she's going to get her ass kicked, too. Like, it, it's such a, a, a horrifically bad idea on top of an already bad day of ideas for him. Like, it just spirals out of control for him. And it gets worse in, like, two more pages. I mean, and Scott's point, because Scott expands on it. He's like, look, where, where would we even go? Every country on the world, on the globe is now openly armed against us. If we run now, we're always going to run. And we, at the very least, if we stand here and fight, we've got a chance. We leave right now and we're fucked, is Scott's point of view. Yeah. And, and again, this is this what makes this series so fucking good. Because it's easy to just go, well, as kids, I have to take Wolverine's side. But it's like, God damn it, Scott is right. Fucker. Like, like, they are both he's so smart. Yeah, they're both right. They're both right. And and it's more like, you know, Scott's got a good rebuttal for Wolverine's sort of morality, right? But at some point, you know, he's fucking, he's putting out, like, the the lowest tier X-Men, and it also happens to be children against a thing that just beat the fuck out of Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but remember, uh, like, this power set, the, the combined power set here... They've got it. They've got more of a chance than Scott and Logan stand fighting it together on their own. Uh, except Anol, who, what are you here for, Anol? <laughs> what's, what's the purpose of Anol? Yeah, I know. What, what are a lot? Well, yeah, and it, again, you know, they stand more of a chance. It's still a. How do I put this? It's like more of a like, well, I believe in this team because I, I, I've looked in their eyes and I, I've seen the killer instinct, which literally and figuratively, he just looked in EDA's eyes. She obviously doesn't have it. So even that point of like, um, you know, that th th this power set works or this doesn't, like that all gets moot when they've already established through her face that they are not up for this. And they're, it's kind of hope and her hubris, which gets her into trouble a lot. And that's kind of a big thing about her character is getting all her friends as the charismatic leader into some bullshit that they don't want to be in. Huh. Yeah, sounds like a Summers. <laughs> yeah, she's... There you go. She's really so, clearly. Sounds like Scott and Nathan and Alex <laughs> and Chris and if Adam X had friends. Yeah. Uh, so Logan goes back to his room uh, and opens up a safe that is apparently full of bombs? Which is in his main quarters, like where he lives. It's the, you know, it's just what he does. There's no other furniture in this room, by the way. You just see a it's bed, his bed and a safe and, safe, and the yeah. bomb safe. That's it. Yeah. So. Dudes rock. <laughs> R slash male living spaces. <laughs> um. So Logan comes back. He's like, I tried asking you nicely. I'm not asking anymore, Scott. I'm telling you. Everybody off the island now. I just armed 2,000 pounds of plastic explosives. And when that thing gets close enough, I'm blowing it all to hell. It's over. Go tell Danger and Dr. Rao to start evacuating. Tell them they don't have long. And all the kids fuck off, because what the fuck? Even Hope listens very well as someone who does not listen very well. She's like, okay, yeah. moms, okay. <laughs> yeah, Logan literally comes out and he might as well have said, Scott, I'll let you try that one more time. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Scott's like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Even if you manage to blow this one up, there are still thousand more out, out there and we'll have nowhere to go. What are you doing? Well, Scott takes this way too far, like very quickly. Like, yes, yes. Because they're he, arguing. And he says, I'm pushing the button. Walk away, Scott. And Scott looks at him and says, she never loved you, you know. No reason. Unprovoked. Unprovoked. <laughs> like, he didn't have to. Dude, that's why It's the meanest ready. thing he that's can think of. That's why your mama did. That's yes. That's why your mama did. You should have called like, me a fat ass no Kelly Price. <laughs> it's the meanest thing he can think to say to Logan. Oh, he had no reason to do that. He should not have done that. He said she he never. Didn't have to. And he emphasized never. He's like, she never loved you. You know, you always frightened her. And Logan stops and looks at him for a second and says, and if she was here right now, who do you think she'd be more frightened of? Which uh, fucking good point. Joke. And then they just start whooping each other's asses. <laughs> like, yeah, immediately. And Scott throws the first punch, too, or the first shot, which is lasers right away. Like, he, he you know, he was yep. he wanted to fight Logan, I think. I Scott think, rolls initiative. I just got, again, and this is, you know, back to this is being about leadership and having a bad day. Uh, he's had such a bad day. He's like, all right, I'm going to beat up my best friend. And and that's that's he just provoked him with the gene line and then got even then couldn't even do that properly because then Logan comes back with the heat and then he's like all right I'm fighting now all right fuck this guy fuck this guy long way uh, yeah. and the guys there is a sentinel approaching remember the sentinel and they're fighting over the they're fighting over the the trigger to the explosives uh, and this issue ends with a sentinel holding its hand over them uh, ready to blast. Which is also the cover of the next issue, which is pretty cool. I like that conceptually. Yeah, again, Marvel covers usually aren't you know very descriptive, so this was a, this was a cool way to to know what you were getting into. Yeah, uh, they dodge the blast from the Sentinel, and Lo Scott tells Logan, "If you press that button, you're killing me too." And he says, "You're killing yourself." Uh, Logan gets fucked up by the Sentinel. Um, I wrote, I wrote down here for this fight, this is like The Rock and Kurt Angle and Undertaker when The Rock and Angle would fight and the Taker would come in and they would just beat up Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, and then go back immediately back to fight each other. Yeah, they'd go back to each other, yeah. They would, Undertaker would always do them triple threats. He would take nothing and just get beat up and then the other two would fight. Yeah. Logan gets, like, his whole fucking face is gone here. Like... Yeah, you see his skull. Yeah. Uh, you see, It gets so, to the point where you can see just the atom, you can see the adamantium in his skull. Uh, the the younger generation come back. Uh, Hope has just got this giant fucking gun that I'm sure Cable left. Uh, also, side note, I love Hope's cape. Yeah, I was I was gonna talk about that. I love how like the rest of her costume so pristine. This she has a shitty little cape. Yeah, that I'm sure like I'm sure that Nate gave her when she was a kid. Yeah, it's from her dad. So it's a little gift from her dad that she doesn't have to wear. It's probably impractical. It doesn't work with the rest of her shit, but she still wears it because it, it, it means something to her. It's a cool little uh, wrinkle to her character. Yeah. Uh, Glob Herman is here, which... We want to talk about rehabbing characters. Glob Herman also was with Choir at that riot. Yeah, he was a full... He was introduced. Like It looked like he was like a, a, a big deal villain. Right? Yes, Eventually, he was a, he's like an actual white supremacist. Yeah, yeah. 
I forgot about that actually. Now that you brought that up, yeah, that actually that unlocks like something in me. Yeah, when I like a character, I'll just pretend to forget stuff, and I guess I forgot about that. Yeah, that is he was raised by his racist ass dad. Yeah, uh, Velocidad is here using uh, his incredibly stupid power, which I will remind everyone is not super speed, but is localized uh, localized time manipulation around himself uh, to give the illusion of super speed. It's very dumb. Yeah, it's, it's a little over-explained. Just, you could have more than one speedster, I think, in the X-Men. Yeah, but they wanted Sarkov to make takes his uh, glasses off. Yes, yeah, Scott just takes the fucking fight. visor off and just gives it to a full He's board. raw dog in this fight. Yeah. Uh, cut to the fucking... <laughs> cut to the fucking Hellfire kids. Just watching from a distance, eating popcorn like little bastards. Matching goddamn leather jackets. <laughs> they all look like Finn Balor for fucks for no reason. Matching like, leather jackets. They look like the fucking T-Birds from Crease. <laughs> Dude, they're so fucking guineaed up here. It's awesome. They are like, <laughs> they there's like no the reason fonts. They're full greaser. They're full fawns. One of the kids has like a, a pompadour. Looks like uh, the the Elvis uh, faction from New Vegas. Like they had. There's no. There's no reason for them to be wearing these leather jackets. They were not wearing these at the museum. Like no. These, I, I these. guess these are the jackets they were they were wearing when they left. Oh, they ran out and yeah. That's yeah. Right, okay. I. It doesn't look like there's a logo on the back of them. They just look like they all got of uh, this the same really nice leather jacket. That well, we never see it from behind. I mean, th these yeah. might just be tunnel snake jackets. Just. <laughs> Fucking summer loving face ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the so Rogue, Psylocke, and Kitty are on their way back. Emma finally has that thing off her face, uh, and it comes out to see uh, Logan and Hope standing on top of a burning Sentinel. Yeah, Emma talked all that shit. Was about to get into the fight, and then it was already over. Yeah, bring Scott his glasses. Uh, Scott is. Covered in blood, which I'm assuming is Logan's. <laughs> and Logan and Scott just look at each other because Scott Logan is sit, standing on top of the Sentinel, and he looks down at Scott. And Scott looks back up at him, and they both just stare while everyone else cheers and hollers. Yeah, that um, moment's probably the last moment where they're on the same team. Like before. up until they, for, yeah, the conversation where they split. Like that is the last time they're. Uh, yeah, because they're on the same side. They're on opposite sides during uh, Avengers vs. X-Men. Um, Scott becomes Scott as we kind of understand him under Bendis. Uh, and then Scott dies during an Inhumans vs. X-Men. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't even. Yeah, he dies very early, and that made me sad and very upset. Uh, <laughs> Scott dies in, in Inhumans vs. X-Men and then is gone until. A year or two ago? Two years ago, maybe? 2019? Yeah. Uh, until right There's like an eight-year stretch where they are not friends. Yeah, they're just not on in the our same time page. Anyways. And now they're... No. Uh, they have joining bedrooms with Gene now. Yeah, Gene is in a polyamorous relationship. They are not. <laughs> but Gene is. Gene, again, Gene Grey has a gorilla grip on the hearts and balls of these two men. And <laughs> It never goes away. If you're curious, if you haven't read comics in a while, it's still happening, and it's uh, pretty cool. Um, they live on the moon, and uh, some they tag, they kind of tag in and out on who's going to be husband one night, who's going to be husband the next, and they look happy, but they they also don't. But Jean looks like she's having. Jean's a having a ball. Jean is she's, having. She's having all of them actually. She's, she's like she's, <laughs> she's having... 
This could not be a more perfect situation for her. She does not have to choose. She is the centrist of wanting a lot of dick in her life. She gets it all. <laughs> Coward's decision, but it's working out great for her. She, so, like, Jean, just at the beginning of, like, the Krakoa era, Jean is, has conjoined rooms with Wolverine and Logan and is living on the moon with them, uh, Scott's brothers, and uh, their kids. She's she's having a great time. She gets to be, play mom. She gets to play wife. She gets to play girlfriend. She gets to play mistress. She gets to play <laughs> sister, sister-in-law. She gets everything also, she could ever want. That reminds me. I had a conversation with somebody recently. Um, uh, Will, who was on. Uh, Will and Manny, who are on episodes two and three of this show. Uh, we were talking about Havoc. Because Havoc is in love with Madeline Pryor. Who is... A clone of Jean Grey. Do you think it's weird? That tracks. Do, yes. do you think their relationship is weird? Like yes. Havoc and Jean? Because Havoc recognizes that Jean and Maddie aren't the same person. But I, Jean has all of Madeline's memories. It's, so, it's weird because... Like, what is it with the Summers men and this one fucking redhead? There's so many redheads well, in the world. There's so, so many people with red hair. At, at the very least, Gene and, or Madeline and Havoc, they kind of bond together over Scott being a dick and abandoning his family. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not saying that they can't be cool with each other, but does he have to, does he have to be involved with her too? Like, can he just, you know, like, okay, this is basically like, this is my brother's, brother's this wife. This is my brother. Well, that's the thing is, at the time, Madeline literally is his brother's wife. That yeah. he, his brother abandoned. <laughs> he just, you know, can he just, well, well, I mean, Havoc's whole deal is that he, he doesn't really make, like, he's the opposite of Scott, where Scott makes good decisions that work out bad. Havoc makes bad decisions that work out poorly. So. Well, I mean, Havoc, he, Havoc tries to leave the X-Men how many times? Yeah, he just and he keeps you know, look where he keeps getting it always dragged back, back to their doorstep, right? Yeah, he's kicking like, and screaming yeah. most of the time. Sometimes as a villain, he's sometimes <laughs> inverted by Doctor Doom by accident. Me and Lorna are gonna go get our degrees because we're tired of being superheroes, so we're gonna go to college. No, no, you're not. You're gonna get kidnapped no. by fucking Magneto no, and Eric the Red. I don't. Don't think, think you, you will. will. <laughs> Magneto said, "I'm gonna let you try that one more time." I'm going to let you try that one, one more time. I'm going to let you try that one more time, Alex. Alex, I told you you can't handle the Jean Grey pussy. <laughs> the Jean Grey clone pussy. I was saying... <laughs> Scott talking to Havoc. Me, I Al Alex, I told you you couldn't handle clone pussy. <laughs> Scott, that clone pussy. You were right. <laughs> You had me acting different. Please let me back in. <laughs> goblin, Goblin Queen Coochie got me acting strange. <laughs> got me acting unwise. <laughs> got me acting unwise. <laughs> uh, so Logan goes to have a conversation with Scott because he talks to EDA and she's like, she's like, uh, I'm glad it was me that killed them, the man at the museum, because some of my friends, they wouldn't have been able to live with themselves. But I know I'm a monster, and I know what it means to be an X-Man. And this pisses Logan off. He he has to go have a talk with Scott. And this was probably the conversation that, like, like he probably was always leaving the X-Men. This this is probably the thing that made him say, like, okay, but yes. I still, 
take I have to take X Men. Like I have to t- I can't just leave. I have to create I have to something take these else f- from yeah. here because he at the start of this story at the issue one page one he is very clearly like just so fucking tired. He doesn't want to keep doing this. He's stretched and, thin. Yes, and this is the thing he, he this uh, of all the, his responsibilities. This is the thing that he seems to like the least. Yeah, and Scott's like, Logan's like, I don't need to wait to to have this conversation with you. And Scott's like, all right, start apologizing whenever, which dickhead move, Summers. But he's like, I was right. The kids saved the day. I, you were wrong. I'd like to hear you say it. And he's like, the kids beat one sentinel. Doesn't change a damn thing. He's like, how can you say that? He's like, what about the next time? Or the next time after that? We keep using them as soldiers. It ain't, it ain't a matter of if the casualties will pile up, but only when and how damn many. Uh, and he's just like, I'm leaving. Uh, and whoever's whoever wants to come with me is welcome. And so in this first shot of people that go, EDA, Anol, Dust, and Choir, who is tied up and has... Yeah, he's duct-taped as well. Yep. Uh, and so I do know EDA comes back. She does eventually join back up with with Hope and everybody else. Um, the little Hellfire dickheads are some uh, Magipore maybe. I don't, it's unclear where they are. They well, look somewhere like, where they we had served alcohol. Yeah, they look like total jagoffs. They look like Bond villains. It's Cage's hair is just yes. It's just. He hasn't met a comb once in his life. (laughs) He wakes up, puts on that little $5 suit. He just wakes up and walks out the door like, this is perfect. Gets a suit and he's fine. And he's drinking alcohol and looks like 9 a.m. For some reason, I picture this as being very early in the morning. Yeah. Um, He says, Logan says, I'll mind your store, Scott. You mind your store, Scott. I'll mind mine. I won't try to stop anything you're doing here. Just don't ever try and stop me. And Scott's like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he does. This is where it comes back to leadership, right? And yeah, you know, it comes back to leadership. Is hard. But also, Logan doesn't know fucking anything about running a anything. school. Like that's why he gets Kitty to come in and do it because Kitty knows what she's doing. Yeah, Kitty Stormer are really the competent ones at that school, and that's that's a recurring theme in that book. Is that. He, he's trying his best, but he's not exactly good at it. Right. Um, uh, and Scott says, we'll st- uh, if you ever come to your senses, we'll, be, we'll still be here. Protecting a world that hates and fears us. Which I guess includes you now, too. Uh, and so Logan takes a blackbird and they go back to the destroyed uh, Xavier school. Uh, and they rebuild it, and it becomes the Jean Grey School in the event Regenesis. That's a. What did you think of them going back to Westchester? I love when it. This first happened. I love it? it conceptually. I love the idea of there being two schools. I, I do think because the the thing is, the X Men can't be a monolith. If they are to be the metaphor for any aggrieved oppressed group they can't be monolithic in their approach and there can't be these are the good ones and these are the bad ones which had always been the split these are the people with 
uh, Xavier, these are the people with Magneto. Or these are the people with Xavier, these are the people with Mystique. What I like best, kind of one of my favorite things, is the point during New Mutants where there are two schools. Where there's the Xavier school and there's the, uh, the Massachusetts school run by Emma. And it's just two approaches because if you're a mutant, right? And granted, there are only 200 of them at this point. But if you were a mutant, I think I would like the choice, you know, if I were a mutant. I would like the choice of like, okay, I can go here and have this real kind of almost formal education. Or I can go here and I can learn to defend myself a little better. You know, I can go and be around this community. Either way, you get that sense of community, but you're getting two different things, which I think is, I think is really, really cool. Um, what about you? Um, so at the time, uh, I didn't think I liked it because I, I, a lot of the stuff, I, I think I disliked it as a. Um, I'm big on like, well, stuff has to change. And and so I didn't like the idea that they were going backwards a little bit. I, I knew it was different at the time. Um, but my my argument against it was that um, because there were so few of them to, to spread yourselves as thin as it was left them vulnerable. And especially so many of the X-Men at the time and the mutants at the time were kids. They were just so vulnerable. And I was so – I was kind of surprised that Wolverine was like, oh, but – will you know we'll be different we'll keep them far away they'll get combat training they'll fight when they're ready stuff like that it's like i just it's it was so out of character for him which ended up being all the stuff that i just said ended up being why i ended up loving the series and why i thought it was good i like your point of that they can't be monolithic there needs to be you know there does need to be layers to this because the x-men are always going to be an allegory for you know depression or uh, depression oppression and and people you know facing you know sort of hard times just for for existing and so I, I got all that, but it was like, why would I, I always question why Wolverine would make it harder for them? He didn't have to make it harder for them. He could have, you know, the whole point of, of you know, Utopia was that the, the mutants were unified and they were going to work it out and they were going to sort of be a force against, you know, the world, really, and, and do that by themselves now that they're so, um, you know, low in numbers and I, it, it was it was a little little surprising for me to, for wolverine to make that choice and in hindsight again cyclops was right because this school kind of crashes pretty hard when it ends right like it's it's it yeah. doesn't go well but for when it does exist it was very useful and, and a very you know good for the kids who were there but uh, I, I remember at the time once this ended i was a little disappointed in wolverine thinking that while he was right i agreed with what he said i didn't like his decision making at the end yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see that, that point. Um, but from here, they go off into their two respective series um, and then into Avengers vs. X-Men uh, and then all new X-Men for Scott's side after that, uh, which introduces a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new mutants. And then it is interesting to look at this stuff now with the benefit of now having the Krakoa era because Krakoa is I think I said this last episode too Krakoa is kind of the perfect version of Utopia it, it is what yeah Utopia, it's like a retry right it's a retry of Utopia it's a retry of Genosha uh, it's it's a retry of Madripoor it's a retry of all these things that have like failed in the past of having uh, just kind of a united front for mutants but then within Krakoa, there are so many differing things. There are so many different people doing different 
things. Um, you know, because there's the main X-Men team now who are back in New York. Um, but they're all, they have a gate there, so they just pop back and forth to Krakoa. There was X-Factor who were, hey, we have to look at these things. You know, we have to investigate these things. X-Force, who are essentially the mutant CIA and the, the Beast kind of going more insane over time with power. Uh, there's the Quiet Council and everything they're doing there with all of their weird inner workings. Uh, there's that new group Nightcrawler setting up uh, with Legion. There's so many different things going on, so many kind of like subgroups of Krakoa. There's the, all this shit going on with the new mutants, how they're now raising the new generation of mutants. And how like, Danny Moonstar and Warpath and Magic and, you know, Cypher are now in charge of keeping the young mutants of Krakoa safe and teaching them how to operate within the world. I think that's really, really, like, a, a great twist for those characters to turn take. And I think that this, as a means to that leads to that, is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, well, even, yeah, I mean, talking about Krakoa, like, it's it's a totally different society. Like, it's a different world. Like, they don't they don't function the same. Like, the kids aren't going to, like, class from 9 to 5. They're, they're, they're functioning different. That whole place is functioning different. And it kind of speaks to, you know, the point that a lot of people would make about the X-Men is that, well, maybe they don't fit into this world. Maybe they don't fit into human culture at all. Maybe they're so different that they have to make something of their own. And, and what's unfortunate about that is that they have to do all that work. You know, yes. they, they, they have to sort of fight and claw and reshape society from the ground, literally from the ground up to create a world where they could just live without being killed every day. And even then they're still, you know, being attacked. But now, you know, they they made re being reborn sort of a, a thing that's explained easily and stuff. So it makes it easier for them. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of sort of the thing that people love about the X-Men was like, well, it's so different from everything else right. that you could read. It's so different. Like it, like it's it's laid on thick. Sort of what the book is really about, and and it, you know, thank God for it. Thank God there's no subtext. Fucking tell me what this book is about. Tell me what these characters are feeling and how and how it works. And then for to take something so you know, and then to and anytime they've had a big shakeup, right? Whether it's giant size X Men stuff or you know, a, a, um, M Day or this story or Avengers versus X Men. Like every time something huge changes. It's what makes the X Men so endearing and and so beautiful that they keep they they survive and not because they're rich but because they're they're resilient. It makes the story you know it's it stuff like this and stuff like big changes and it making sense and it always being sort of compelling is what makes the X Men so so like uh, evergreen in terms of you know you could read it and and always get what it's about. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good uh, note to kind of leave this on. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? No, I think we talked about everything. We talked about, you know, all the X-Men being good looking. We talked about Scott Summers being right about everything. Mm-hmm. Talked about, uh, we talked about they them pussy a lot. So we, we got everything I think we needed to talk about. <laughs> and on that note, uh, that is Vicente. Uh, I'm Marcus. I realized I did not introduce myself on this episode, but whatever. Uh, you know what it is. Uh, my name's in the description. Everybody knows, wants to know. Everybody who knows, wants to know. Uh, 
You can follow this show on Twitter at MCMFPod. You can follow me at Archer Arios, A-R-X-H-E-R-A-R-I-O-S. The X is a C. Don't make me explain it. Um, we will be back uh, next week with an episode about, uh, double-checking here, Punisher Max. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be good. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we've, got, we've got some fun episodes lined up, and so I, I hope that you will... Uh, will be along for the ride uh please follow the show subscribe uh rate us review us uh give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater are gonna get out of here have a good one